away you go. Now it comes time to actually build it. I'm always thinking about the next thing, not what happened in the past. You want to see someone breaking the mold? We are breaking every possible traffic law. Welcome to Oil & Whiskey, an Ironclad original, presented by Blade HQ. Go to bladehq.com slash whiskey to shop their selection of knives. Today, we'll be talking with car collector extraordinaire, Bob Johnson. We're also going to be taking some of your questions, actually answering some of your listener questions, and as always, in the glove box. But before we get to the interview with Bob, we're going to take some of your questions and answer them. I enjoy the listener questions. Yeah, they're, they're entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they bring a little diversity, like an old wooden ship. Yeah, indeed. They bring some... G- I don't know if that applies there. <laughs> <laughs> You're not familiar with diversity? Those those wooden ships have, are known to be diverse. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Switches things up. Ask some different stuff, short segments that you don't you didn't normally read ahead, did you? I did not. Good. Maybe I did. This is a surprise. I see him pop up on the, on the social media. Well, first question, what we have. What is a vehicle that you have not done a chassis for yet that is on the bucket list? Miata, next question. <laughs> well, we're actually... Well, That's a tricky question because we're actually in the process so, of building one for it. So. Yeah. Are we past the 29 Essex? Is the, remember, that was the one. It's that, the 29 Essex and the Studebaker are the yeah. two back and forth. Yeah, that is that is the one that everybody calls in for questions on. But My bucket list, you know what my bucket list is. Set. DeLorean. Yeah. It'll happen one as, day. As far as the high-end chassis, I think you and me are right on the same page. Um, it's hard to put, like, it's hard to say exactly what that chassis is on the bucket list because, like, the rings, that most recent chassis that we did, that crazy-ass open wild wheel, chassis. that is something that is going to be absolutely epic. And if you'd asked me before, you know, Jim called me on that, I wouldn't have put it on my bucket list, but it's bad ass so i don't know i like the challenges i just anything that is off the wall crazy and a challenge is what i'm into there's a lot of stuff that's in the in the works in the in the skunk works so to speak that's going to be pretty crazy for not the specific year making model car but what the theme style design is in solving make, problems a different way it is, yeah. yeah that's an answer I mean, it's a solid answer, answer. It's a answer, answer we gave who is someone from the industry that is no longer with us that you wish you could bring back on the show. Start with you. Around the horn. Oh, I was good. Oh, you asked the question, so <laughs> yeah, set, I was, set I was, the pace. I'm asking the question. Set, set the pace. I think it would be it would be fun to talk to either Boyd or Pete Shapors. That's two guys that that have that have lived the life, that have had the stories um, that I would like to talk to. I was gonna go Mickey Thompson. Oh, something popped up a couple weeks ago on Instagram and kind of did a little bit of digging, but just the wide array of stuff they did from the drag race world, IndyCar world, getting into off-road stuff, starting a business for the performance parts, starting the, the tire business. He was murdered by his business partner. So maybe it wasn't the best business or there's some shady stuff going on, but Eh, you'll have that, you know? Did, did business, a lot of cool business stuff. This is pretty cutthroat, you know? Yeah. <laughs> did a lot of cool stuff and just, I don't, in that era, it was cool where you could be, just jump to all the top motorsports. Or like now you'd never have someone from NASCAR jump in a top fuel car and then jump in a Baja truck where that was kind of 
back in the day. And then all his land speed stuff as well. First guy going over 400 miles an hour. Oh, wow. You filled a little research. Filled did, did a little bit. Brought some heat. He, he hit the Google machine. Yeah. What about you? You know, there's a lot of guys, but, you know, I I don't want this to sound cliche, but if we were bringing somebody back, you know, it's my old man. That's, uh, you know, he's my idol. That's the coolest motherfucker that I know. So if we could bring somebody back to talk to. You know, would, first of all, it would be extremely entertaining for the podcast, however, unairable. Completely unairable. <laughs> yeah. Completely unairable. Have... Completely unairable. It would probably put us out of business. I was just going to say, it probably wouldn't have that many customers or vendors left after Zero. the fact. Shit Zero. Shit ton of fun, though. <laughs> but if you want to know exactly where you stand, oh, yeah. then tune in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I see where you got that from. uh have the gerber brothers next up next question have the gerber brothers ever duked it out in the shop and this is a special question from dave delancey b-boy dave b-body dave Dave. sorry b-body dave it's b-body dave on instagram i gotta i'm gonna i'm gonna take this one because i think like everybody knows that i would just whoop phil's ass so it's just it's one of those you know Hmm. It's a respect thing. You know, he knows that there would be just an ungodly ass whooping coming his way. <laughs> wow. But I guess yeah. the short answer is no. We don't we get along pretty fucking good. So Yeah. I coming off the interview with uh Paul Tuttle, um, I'd say we were nothing like that. No. <laughs> the, no yelling, no screaming, no brawling. Um the last big fight we had, uh I ended up in the emergency room. That had to be junior high era. Yeah. Uh, little. I ducked one. I ducked the right hook. <laughs> the story that everybody remembers is that uh, we were in the swimming pool fighting and I jumped up to take a swing at him and he ducked down and I caught him in the side of the head and I broke my hand. <laughs> so, I never really thought about that back in the day, but like he had to have been trying to really fucking hurt yeah, if he me. He broke his hand. Yeah. He was trying to smack the I shit brought out the pain. of me. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, the uh, it's called the boxer's fracture. The uh, really? yeah, outside of your hand between the pinky and the wrist, snap that fucker. That, that's how hard he hit you yeah. in the head. Yeah, you know what I did, dude? I just shrugged that shit just, off. I just like, not a big it. deal. <laughs> Nothing. Well, the good part about all of this is you don't have to code go to blows because we get along. Good. Unfortunately, you know, you get along good, but when you don't get along good, I'm a I'm a great sounding board because it's it's not it's I would say probably every. Four to five months, it's a, you're not going to believe what my fucking brother's doing now. <laughs> you know, and that's from either one. Like, he yeah. said that about me? Yeah, uh, he did. He, that's, that's, that's once a week. But <laughs> <laughs> Next question. What does it take to be part of the engineering team? I'm a mechanical engineer and have been for, I have been so for about four years. My dream is to do engineering with a company like the Roadster Shop. Sure, it takes some serious skills. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, it takes an email and an application, like reaching out. Um, Second to that, it takes a shitload of skills. You know, we're not looking for, uh, you know, summer help or an apprentice or somebody who's just kind of getting started. Um, You know, I think that the common misconception with uh, engineering is that it's... uh, uh, you know, a hobby or something that I'm just going to try doing. 
but uh, you know, I'm not a huge advocate. You know, I'm not a college educated. I don't. I don't have a bachelor's degree myself. What? I'm not a major. You know, advocate for that. But when it comes to engineering, I, I certainly am. I believe that that is that's something that you have to apply yourself. You have to have a you know a, a pedigree for it. You have to have a talent for it. And you have to have a, a desire to do something unique. And I think at the Roadster shop, uh, you have to have the the fabrication and the hands-on skills that I I like. You know, an engineer that uh, that can do it himself, and I think that gives him a better vision as far as designing things that can be built. Does that make sense? Yeah, I was gonna say, got to have the car background and understand the the workings and how to actually use it on the shop floor. Not just draw it, design it, right. kick it off to somebody else to produce it and figure out all the problems. You got to preemptively know the problems, solve them, figure out how it's going to be used, how a fabricator can build it, how we can laser cut it, how you can machine it, kind of have the whole realm of everything. Yeah, I mean, if you look at our engineering team, it, you know, every one of those guys has really pretty damn good fabrication skills. If you strip them of their engineering skills, you can put them in a fabrication position like all day long. So that's, I think that's really important is having the hands-on skill set. And to tie into this question, we could use another engineer. So if you've got that skill yeah, set, if you do send a resume and send some uh, pictures of stuff you've done and let's see a portfolio, reach out, bring it, show us what you're made of. Info at RoadstreetShop.com. And careers at RoadstreetShop.com. But bring it. Seriously, don't send us like a Google SketchUp. Right? Show us that you yeah, give a right. shit about your career. Exactly. Right. Bring it. Uh, next up, we have a... I'm gonna, this is, these are just listener questions, right? So pardon the English. Tell us your, air quotes, shit happens story when... You were test driving a customer vehicle. Appreciate that you started out by putting that as a listener question, so we didn't get uh, called out for these using, are using foul language on this podcast. These are all yeah. Well, after Bob Johnson, <laughs> did I, we, <laughs> these are all legit listener questions. I, I, I've, I've toned it way the fuck down. Bob did. <laughs> Bob was super polished. Yeah. Well, that. the listeners that are listening to this are getting the polished version yeah. because we cut out all the <laughs> other shit. <laughs> I got some good stories. I, I, I have a, I, there's one that stands out to me. A shit happened story? Yeah, there's I think a shit we share the story. same one. Yeah. And, you know, I think this proves that, uh, you know, we're all human. Everybody makes mistakes. I don't believe that this one was entirely our mistake, but this was a, a 32 Ford. Uh, like a, this was back in the street rod days when we were doing like really high end street rods. And we did this wild, like over the top, 32 three window and it had just come back from the upholstery shop and uh car shows up and it's on a, like a saturday morning so i'm messing with the car and i get it fired up and the car it's like not wanting to pop off you know it's fuel injected ls6 lingenfelter motor with a uh, a magnuson supercharger fully polished Blockheads, I mean, supercharger. This, this, this is, is when that shit like wasn't available yet. Yep. This is back in the day when like that stuff was fucking cutting edge. And this thing, it was an over the top car. So 
We had put some test miles on it prior to taking it to upholstery, and the car is pretty well sorted. So I take the car out, and this is like Saturday, fairly late in the day. And I roll out of the shop, hang a right hand, turn out of the shop, and the car's up to temperature. Everything's going good. I mean, it, it, I'm, I'm in all my glory. So I decide I'm going to roll into the throttle on the car. And okay. as... You and dad were driving it because he told the yeah. story that he said to you, he goes, man, this is one of the smoothest cars yeah. we've ever built. Dude, the car was, <laughs> it was dialed, like dialed in. Like you're feeling good. I can roll into the throttle. And as I start rolling to the throttle, the car starts going. I give it a little more throttle, right? And the next thing that happens is like noises. So, I mean, shit I've never experienced in my life. The most violent, like, metallic explosion that I've ever heard in my life. So fortunately I'm only a couple blocks from the shop. So I pull over and I realize that this is a fucking disaster, right? Had a mess on your hands. Had a mess on my hands. Three piece hood, pop the hood, look in there and I can see that there is like, there's extra visuals coming out of the side of the engine block. You could see the insides from the you outside. Could see, yeah, you could see the insides. So I'm like, motherfucker. So to bring the car like, you know, two blocks back to the shop, I grab the enclosed trailer, I bring the car back, I put it on the lift. And the first thing I do, I start, you know, I take the front end off so we can see what's going on, get the hood off, get the hood sides off. And I'm looking at this right about the time that I get like everything exposed. It's probably evening time on a Saturday. Well, it just so happens that the customer, he's local and just out of the fucking blue stops in to the shop hey, to man. see what's going on. How's it going? So I am <laughs> shitting myself, I guess is the, the only thing to say. Covered because in still hot oil. Covered in oil. There's oil everywhere. There's pistons, a portion of the crankshaft. Like everything's hanging out of the side of the fucking motor. So he pops in and he's, he was like really cool. I was like, dude, dude I, I, I got that tight. I didn't know what to sound like. I don't know. Like something bad happened. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> oh, what'd you do? So the best I could say is like, dude, we'll, we'll get it fixed. Right. So upon further investigation, there was a situation with the upholstery shop and, uh, I, Phil, you got any, you want to like, yeah, all the wiring harness was run in one main loom down the center of the car. A nice loom, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there was a picture in an email beforehand saying all the wires are run down the center of the car and we ship it to him with no interior. And it's always plain as day. So There's you could a, see the wires? You could saying? see it was a whole wiring harness. Okay. It was probably. So like a loom. Like a, lo- like, like a wiring loom. So like an inch yeah. thick. Inch thick, just all down the center of the car. So every wire that would be for the car would be in that loom. In, everything including the motor. To, yeah, including the motor. Yeah. Pulled the center council off, and sure enough, there was a screw dead center through that wire loom. What kind of screw? It was a drywall screw, I believe, or mm-hmm. wood screw. A oh, sheetrock screw. Sheetrock screw. Yep. Yeah. That can't and be good. It had uh, <laughs> right, right there through the middle of the injector harness. Ooh. Yeah. And what that did was it grounded out the uh, driver passenger side bank, so the second you had key on they were just full bore squirting everything they had. Contrary to popular belief, full bore for the injectors. 
Not good. Not You'd good. be surprised at the amount of fuel that comes out of an injector because what it will do, it will fill the entire engine up. Hydrolock it. As well as the oil pan. And it will go as far as filling the exhaust system up with fuel mm. and hydraulic. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so when the motor goes to turn over, there's no room for the pistons to compress and the rods end up bending, if you will. They bend. Stressing. Until they break. Yeah. Well, they don't Which, break until you like until accelerate. You put a little bit more, <laughs> a yeah. little bit more effort into that, and then they go kaboom out but, the bottom. But the good news is that was a nice little gift. From the good news them. is is that there is insurance for this, or so I'm told. Yep, that was uh, that was the guy's response. Called him up. Hey, this is what happened. We got a picture of it of the screw still through the wiring harness. Customers irate. He was fine when Jer was here. I got the phone call like the next Monday that he thought we were trying to screw him over, thought we were trying to put a, a junkyard motor in well, it. Well, that's what he was told. He was told it was a, a junkyard. That, yeah. He was told oh, it by, was a, yeah, by the it, upholstery it must shop. Have been a junkyard motor. Yeah. By by and, by John Lingenfelter himself. It has an autograph that he literally <laughs> engraves his autograph. We fully polished a junkyard right. motor too, apparently. That's but generally what we do. Per the interior per shop. Per the interior right. shop that we called. And his response was, well, dude, fucking sue me. I don't know what to tell you. Hmm. And yeah, we were pretty floored on that one. Hence, it was the last time we've used him. But in roadster um, shop fashion, we reach out to our engine builder at the time was turnkey engines. Got a supercharged, upgraded long block, put the whole thing back together. And, uh, did our part, you know, and finished yeah. it up 100%. Probably 30, 40 grand and disassembling the whole car, having a motor build, polishing it, putting it all back together. And customers still didn't believe us. He believed the upholstery shop who claimed we put a junkyard. So shit, shit happens. It does happen. Thanks to uh, that upholstery shop. Yep. There was no recovering on that one. I've got a good short what shit happening story. Oh, what you got? I had my uh, square body finished up and parked it over on the side of the shop. Oh. Kind of. <laughs> that was a really good one. <laughs> a little, bit, really out of, a little bit out of the way. I, laughed I, was a part, I was a part of this one. Yeah. I laughed harder than I should have laughed because it was just so fucking stupid. <laughs> so we had a snap-on uh, guy who was awesome snap-on guy. I like him. Most of the tool guys drive you crazy. They piss you off. You want to throw them out of the shop. This guy was stand up, welcomed into the shop. He was, he was a part of the team. Chris Iraqi. Chris Iraqi. Yeah. And Still uh, snap like <laughs> he had brought his son along for the last couple of months, trying to uh, bring him up to speed and get him his own route and teach him the ropes, which we appreciate. The son was a pretty, pretty good dude. Uh, but he let his son drive the truck. First day. First day. <laughs> And he told his son, you need to make sure when you go to the Roadster shop, be extremely careful because these are all very high-end custom cars. And he had put the fear of God in his son, who then backed into my C-10. <laughs> I remember I told somebody, because we were moving cars We had around, to move the truck. And I had told him, like, I just pull it around. All the way on the other side. The back. By the dumpsters. So, in a sense, I feel guilty. I didn't know you guys moved my truck. No, I didn't move it, but you know, we're shuffling cars and I'm like, just put it out there near the dyno room. 
And then I was the one that, when he came to me, he was like, the kid was like white as a ghost. And I had, I had to look, I'm like, dude, do you fucking realize what you've just done? Yeah. Like, I would have rather you hit like a brand new, nicely painted car because I would have rather you ran through the showroom. Right. You just (laughs) backed into like a fucking mint. What's this? 76. What's it? 77. 77. Um, Like the trim and everything on the fucking tent. That's the worst thing you could have fucking possibly hit. Original paint, everything, which I don't think we ever cashed in on that because I'm like, dude, like, I get it. All right. Just like like, drop a toolbox off. Yeah. Give me like, like, well, like, Next thing I need from you, just we'll settle up on. That was years ago. I don't think we ever settled up on it, but but I still I I like the snap on guy. You know this Matt guy fucking sucks. <laughs> I was gonna what go the there. Fuck? Honestly, I anybody who's go. what is it with the fucking Mac guys? After, is it is it everybody's Mac guy? After five years, he comes. Ones. Five never, years, he comes in my office and asks me if I need anything. Dude, and for five years, every single week, it's been the same thing. I've been what do you think this, you'd give up? I don't, I don't need anything. I've been at this 20 years now. I've had countless snap-on guys, even prior to that. So make it like 30 years, because prior to that, I was in the body shop business. And the snap-on guys were always great. The fucking Mac guys, what is the matter with the Mac guys? It's like <laughs> it's like the special needs group for for the for the tool community. And I like if I went. Did I? Is that too much? Yeah. All right, they can, they, they, can, they can back it down, but dude, the <laughs> fucking what do you mean they can back it down? The ironclad guys. How do you back? You dude, delete it. You Whatever can't. you got to do. No, but seriously, the fucking Mac guys. Yeah, they suck. Man, do they piss me off? Nothing pisses me off worse than like you come in. And no, their day they, they is will, their show. It doesn't have, matter about anything else that's going oh, on. It's yeah. their show. You can have a guy juggling a transmission out of the car that is every ounce of his effort is trying to hold that transmission in the Mac. He'll walk up. Well, what are you doing today? Can I can I get you anything? And like hand him a flyer. Like we're, the Mac guy is the only guy. I, I will say it, it is it. I. If I need to get some aggression out, we need to throw the Mac guy out next week. <laughs> the Mac guy, just the Mac guy is taking it. Dan that, threw the Mac guy out twice, and he kept coming back. Yeah, I think he punched. I think he struck <laughs> the Mac guy. But the fucking the, the snap on guy can do no wrong. Well, that takes care of shit happens. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I think that, <laughs> one, that one escalated. Uh, next question: Josh versus Richard Rawlings. Who wins in a cage match? It's Richard That's, Rawlings wearing all of his jewelry. Give me, let me tell you this. It doesn't fucking matter. Dude, I'm Josh a, is whipping Richard Rawlings' ass. I'm going to tell you know. what. I talk I talk a lot of shit to you. Yep. Like on a daily basis. But I, this is, for once, I agree with you. You're, kick, you're kicking some ass in this scenario. Oh. And I'm going to tell you why. Yep. I'm listening. Here comes Here the at, backhanded compliment. No, this is, this is <laughs> 100% like legit compliment. Here at the Roadster Shop, Periodically on Friday evenings, we do what is called feats of strength, where we take things. Well, we rip magazines in half with our bare hands. We smash two by fours, broomsticks. I mean, you OS, name it. And then, and then right then comes the high kick competition. And Josh, I'm telling you what, this guy—he's like fucking John Claude Van Damme. He's got a high <laughs> kick on him. 
And not only is it high, but it fucking looks good. Like, (laughs) if anybody's familiar with the height of a welding curtain, Josh, his Chuck Taylors, the tip of his Chuck Taylor, the toe of that Chuck Taylor will crest the top of a welding curtain in a high kick. I have pictures of this (laughs) and I will share them. You take one of those to the fucking face. That's that's no joke. I mean, Richard's going to take that to the scarfed neck. And dude, (laughs) seriously. The only thing I will say is that it at some point it has to feel like you're shadow boxing in front of the mirror. You're well, fighting yourself. Here you know? is here's the There's un- an uncanny resemblance. Here is the dark horse that I just thought about as we're speaking about this. I wear no jewelry on my fingers. However, someone else does. Even in That's a what I asked the beginning. Even in a limp-wristed a- attack a, a so skull think, ring you're worried to about the getting, temple. You're worried about yeah, getting cut. You brass knuckled to the head. A skull, a skull ring to the temple. So he's got a yeah, I mean, silver knuckled. Dude, he's got yeah. a puncher's chance. He's got a puncher's chance. Yeah. But I'm telling you what, you take a chuck to the ear. Oh yeah, yeah. Salt and pepper on the forget, ground. Baby. Forget about it. Yeah. So just so anybody knows, I'll kick Richard's ass. <laughs> Glad we got that taken care of. The next question, this is a short one. Uh, This one was from an Instagram. um, This was just barbecue talk, question mark, question mark. So I assume that somebody wants us to like talk talk. about barbecue. Uh, We've actually had this discussion internally, uh, not, not on the podcast, about bringing in more of the meat Smoking, meat grilling, um, rubs, uh, stuff like that. That's we've talked about whiskey, we've talked about guns, we've talked about knives, we've talked about a lot of the Mike, the man stuff. So this guy's asking us if we would do more barbecue talk. What do you? What are your thoughts? I think we could bring it in. We do a lot of barbecuing, a lot of grilling, a lot of smoking. Tell us the fucking barbecue master. We actually had barbecue what two days ago. We did. did. Yes. That that. Oh man, that's wife of the year award, dude. Josh's wife, Jody, knocked this out of the fucking park. We it was my birthday, my birthday and Josh's five year anniversary. Yep. And Jody tells us to come over to the house, and dude, I'm telling you what, that was it's like a it was like a southern experience. It was a cultural experience. It was shipped in from from Alabama. Yeah. So little bright star props to Joe. uh, Sorry. Dreamland ribs. It came from Alabama. Yeah, she shipped that in. Dreamland ribs. You didn't know Holy that. Holy shit! That was the whole point. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Props it, that's to Jody. That's she a good rib. Killed it on that ribs. I'll smoke sausage. Yeah. And that was unbeknownst to me. She did that all on her own. I mean, with my money, obviously. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's something we'll get more into. I'm not. I'm not your guy. But I think you, Phil, you and Phil, Phil more so. Uh, no, absolutely more Phil. Phil, I, everything I've done, I've learned from Phil. Phil knows how to grill some meat. And every 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 suggestion, every tip he's ever given has been spot on. So I think to answer the question, barbecue talk, yes. We'll bring some more of that in. Bring it. Uh, next one, Chicago dog or hot Italian beef? Oh, jeez. That's a fucking tough one. It's a tough one, nephew, because, uh, you know, me and my brother Phil here, we're from, uh, from Chicago. We're from the northern suburbs of Chicago. So Almost that's the bears. Yeah, and a beef. <laughs> so when you get up here in Chicago, you know, I myself, I enjoy a hot dog. I, I like the two dogs, mustard, onion, celery, salt, 
my brother here, I had to give him a fucking smack because he puts fucking ketchup on his hot dogs. Which hey, is, you gotta do what you gotta do. It's completely unacceptable. The you know the ketchup on the hot dog, but uh, that's a fucking tough one because you got Portillos, not yeah. far from the shop. We hit it for lunch. We get a beef sandwich. You get I get that I get the Portillos beef dipped with sports on the side. Beef dipped mats. Oh, mm, forget about it. Coming from the south, I'm gonna answer this one. You don't know shit about know. this from the <laughs> south. So just you, it's for you me, say it in a Chicago accent. Yeah. For for me, it's <laughs> it's a hot Italian beef because you like the beef sandwich. It's huh? the beef sandwich. You can get that Johnny's hot dog, beef or Portillos. You can get that hot dog many places across yeah, the country. Yeah, but there's still nowhere no, near you as good get, as Chicago. You ain't getting no Chicago near, hot dog. But you're not even coming mm-hmm. close to that hot Italian beef unless you're here. You, you ain't never had no Chicago Portillo's, hot dog neither. Portillos Italian beef. That's me. It's, it's I think my answer. This might be something that we, I think we got a customer that can help us out with this. I think we need to bring in the, the Fedjalovskis. Oh, with the Paisan boys? Oh, yeah. The fucking Paisan boys on this. Bring their beef and bring their uh, hot dogs? Yeah. And this for fucking pizza. Well, that's, that's a challenge. That's the one thing that Chicago's got going for it. So we need to judge thin versus thick. Hot Chicago hot dog or hot Italian beef. Yeah. And if you're from fucking New York and you're going to try to bring a hot dog in here, forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's shit. So what's your, what Chicago hot dog? Oh, I'm or, a Chicago hot dog. I think that, yeah, all what's day yours? long. Tough one. I'm going to go Italian beef. Though. I'm going Italian beef as well. I you guys Italian would. beef. I like the Chicago hot dog, but yeah. you, you're not going to. Hey, there's no wrong answer on that one. You're right. What is, and last but not least, what is your go-to genre of music when you're wrenching at home by yourself? Hmm. Very first thing I go to is Waylon Jennings. I'm listening to Waylon, but I have a, such a diverse like mix of what I listen to. It might be, it's Waylon from a country music standpoint. Houndmouth, when you're talking about rock and roll, if you want to dig into some really good, like, underground garage rock and roll my homeboys the red walls they've been gone for a little while but that's that is some og stuff from like the early 2000s hit it on spotify the red walls and i mix it up like it might be like you know i'll throw some james brown in there i like some old school blues but it's it i mean it's everything no florida georgia line i guarantee you that better not be that's on your spotify Absolutely not. Oh, we will fucking fight right now to the death. Yeah, uh, I'm going a pretty wide array as well. Yeah, and Phil both of you are just sitting there, oh, yeah. Yeah. drooling. On yeah, this super, one. super wide. Phil goes hard. Eminem. Phil's mixtapes coming out soon. And, yes. and then there's Eminem and a little bit of Fifty Cent, and then Eminem. Yeah. No, not much Fifty Cent. Really, not Fifty. No. You get a little '90s rap, some Bone Thugs, some Nelly, a little Outkast. I'll get you going in the you morning. And my <laughs> wife would be getting along great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, good mix. Nineties rap, and then a lot of I, old school country, a lot of Texas country, like a lot of Robert Earl Keen, Pat Green. Yeah, yeah. I'm with a little you bit on of Waylon, Johnny I'm, Cash, that kind of. Waylon, uh, for me personally, uh, but then I roll through. I roll through. Shooter? You don't listen to any shooter? Absolutely no shooter. Um, I'm anti-shooter, actually. 
Is that right? If you want to know the truth. Yeah. What, why More is of a it? struggle, Jennings. Well, he should have been better. <laughs> so, uh, the, the most hurtful words to ever come out of Josh's mouth. <laughs> it's the truth. Yeah. But uh, no, I'll listen to, uh, and then there's some, I'll, I'll love Coulter Wall, Vincent, yeah, Vincent yes. Neil Emerson, Charlie Crockett. Oh, Charlie just at Crockett. that co- concert not too long ago. Uh, love Morgan Wade, uh, love Sierra Farrell. Um, I, I mix it up in that, in that genre. Um, I like to listen to, to older, specifically West Texas country. And you, you just, I don't know. That that's the that's the group I listen to, and then I get tired of that, and you'll you'll roll through, uh, Bob Seger, CCR, Skinner. Um, that never gets old until until somebody else new comes along. The newest would be uh, Vincent Neil Emerson or Sierra Farrell. Other than that, Who's Sierra Farrell. I haven't heard that one. Yeah, that's she's not familiar. Uh, she's good. That's 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 a different take. You yeah, give her a listen, Sierra Farrell. She's a she's a, a busker like uh Charlie Crockett, you know, former busker that that busker. Busker is like uh what you'd see in downtown Nashville or uh New Orleans that's uh playing music for quarters. Did you, playing for music did for you money. Google that before the podcast? No, it's a it's a term. The thing? Yeah. Okay. Charlie Crockett was that. Um so they're you know, busking for money. So they're playing their music uh, and they're gotcha. trying to um so Sierra Farrell was that, Charlie Crockett was that. Um and I think that I'm I'm new to this genre of newer, newer old school country. If if that's yeah, even so a I was thing. trying to put a, yeah, a name there's, on there's it. There's no way to. Yeah. But you will hear the you'll hear the grit um, in the playing the music on the streets Word. like you would with a Waylon Jennings and hearing the grit of bring coming up from from nothing, you know, and 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 busting it. Uh, I disagree when you make reference to Waylon Jennings, because I was listening to Black Rose on the way in here this morning. Oh, there's, on my way there's to work. nothing that... Just, and yeah. when you listen to the lyrics of that, there's, there's nothing. I, These bus, buskers, if you will. I said you hear the yeah, grit. I didn't say it was not, at all. There's nowhere near the grit that Waylon brings. We've talked about this have, in, in private. Even I know not, you don't not, disagree. If you had to take away every single album, every single artist... And you only had to pick one. In my opinion, I would pick Waylon Jennings because I could listen to that, any of his music that he's ever done, and I would be happy not ever listening to anything else. My personal opinion, and everybody's different, but that's when you know that that's your favorite artist. Um, and everybody's different. It, it could be the sound. It could be the way he writes. It could be the way that they're. You know, they that that. Where's where does Tyler Childers land in there? Because he's. That's a that's one of those newer artists that rocks. Tyler Childers would probably be in either number three or number four spot for me. I love Tyler Childers. Yeah. Um, but I mean, and then he sounds so good. That's that's the difficult part is because you can't be like, oh, I like Tyler Childers. Well, f- of course, so, because he sounds fucking awesome. Yeah, he sounds you know? great. But I see you're wearing, wearing the shirt. Where does Florida Georgia line then well, land? F- First of all, you. You're trying to start something that doesn't need to be started because you know you wore the shirt. How, yeah, first, you, you have the for shirt. For the fucking record. No, pretty soon we're gonna have video. The studio is almost done, so you'll everybody will be able to see this. But that's like a Hawaiian shirt, but it's embroidered. Did you get it at the concert? It's embroidered with 
there's a lot of things I'll take. You know this. Yeah. You can make fun of me about a lot of things. Being a fan or even tolerating the fucking existence of Florida Georgia Line is something that I will not stand for. And for everybody to listen <laughs> out there, Florida Georgia Line is not, not only is it not country music, it's not music. They should not be allowed in a free world I'll, I'll bet you to be would, doing what they're doing and making a living. I guarantee Florida you Georgia Line that. sucks. Guarantee you wouldn't say that to their I'd face. I'd say it to their face, and I hope they're listening and somebody sends this to them right now because Florida Georgia Line sucks. Favorite Florida Georgia Line song, go. Yeah. I don't know any of their songs. However, I know that they suck. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. Those are harsh words. I, that's somebody I'd physically fight, either one of them. I don't even know their names. But that's, <laughs> some, uh, seriously, I'd whip the shit out of them <laughs> for looking like they look and sounding like they sound. You look like you could fit in with a couple of them. There's only, there's only two of them. Yeah. So you think you could handle them both at the same time? Absolutely. I'd knock the I hope somebody, if chai latte if, out if, of one if, of their hands. If anybody's listening that has some sort of Florida Georgia line connection... Please set this up. You know this because you know you brought this up because you know it pisses me off so bad. There's nobody that I hate more out there than Florida Georgia Line. I yeah, I don't know that. I feel like you, you I feel like you <laughs> mute it every time I come into your office. It's like oh, a, <laughs> So oh hey 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 dude, what's up? What's up? What's going on? Sorry, I just like the YouTube is I would listen what's to up? what's up, man. I would listen to uh uh, Colt Ford before I'd listened to Florida Georgia Line. Colt yeah. Ford's pretty solid. That Waffle House song. Yeah, it's a, a, is this a meet me at the Waffle House? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Bob Johnson is the owner of a sprawling 18,000 square foot garage in Gainesville, Georgia, where he houses some of the most premium collections of hot rods and classic cars in the country. We've actually been there and seen it and can attest to that fact. His inventory of cars is ever circulating between acquisitions and sales, but what does not change is the level of quality in his award-winning collection. He's also known for this G-Force Cuda, 71 Plymouth Cuda, that took the Good Guys Street Machine of the Year in 2006, built by Alan Johnson of Johnson's Hot Rod Shop. We actually talked about that uh, a couple of episodes ago with Alan and actually on another episode as well. So the, the G-Force Cuda is a, a recurring theme it here on Oil & Whiskey. It keeps coming up. Yeah, it does. You can check out more of his amazing inventory by visiting BobJohnsonsHotRods.com. Bob Johnson, welcome to Oil & Whiskey. Good to be here, man. Yeah, I need to uh, get my daughter to make some more pictures of that, but as soon as I got her down here a couple of times, she got a job, so she hasn't been able to come back much. But I ain't got maybe a third or fourth of the cars on there. So what's been going on, man? We haven't we haven't seen each other in a while. We usually see each other at shows, but it's uh, been a little off I don't go many anymore. I'll be going to Shades, and I go to Columbus, I guess. And uh, I think I'll run up tomorrow to uh, Hiawassee. Oh, Jerry Smith's got a little get together up there, and uh, he's done a lot for a charity or two that I was involved with. So I have enough respect to go up there and show up his show up there. Hey, you know who he is, Jerry Smith? I don't know. He's down there in Greensboro, close to Greensboro, Georgia, on the down there uh, Lake Oconee. Uh, they mess with his taxes. He'll show up at Barrett by, you know, 40, 50 cars. And I mean, buy some of the craziest stuff you've ever seen in your life. It's just unbelievable. But, and then he'll turn and go sell a bunch of them. Uh, he sold out two or three times, but he loves to gamble. But real charitable guy, though. He's uh, really a nice guy. But he moved up to Hawassi. He's got a little museum up there. And uh, 
uh, he sold about everything he had down there in uh, Greensboro or Lake Oconee down there. We got a we got a shit ton of you know topics to talk about and questions and things we'd like to you know have your opinion on. But we like to start at the beginning with just about everybody and tell everybody kind of where you got your start. You know, business wise, car wise. I mean, where did uh where did Bob Johnson you know come on the scene? This at? one's kind of multifaceted because if you're going to be a car collector and a car guy, you got to have the story of that. And how did you acquire the means to feed this hobby? So yeah. we're both interested in uh, you know your business background, how you uh, how you got to the level you're at, and then where the car hobby came from. Well, I, you know, I started off as a young kid, you know, cutting grass and throwing papers and carrying groceries. I, where I really made most of my money when I was real, real young, before I got to be 15, 16, was carrying groceries out. You know, getting quarter tips, 15, 20 cent tips and all that. And back back in the day, a quarter tip was a big deal, you know, had a lot of money. So I go, I mean, I'm, I'd be on the dead run. I was about 11, 12 years old. I'd make, you know, eight, 10, 12 dollars in a night, you know, working on Friday night and then maybe 15 to 20 on Saturday, which in those days was a lot of damn money. By the time I come 16, you know, I had, I, I probably had seven, eight, 10 grand saved, you know. Yeah. So I bought my first car was a 56 Ford. Bought it from my dad. It was a club sedan, 292, four barrel, three speed, manual, no, no overdrive or anything. Second car was a 55 Victoria. I sold a 56 Ford and bought a 55 Victoria. It had a, a 292 in it with three twos and straight shift. And I had a sold that off and bought a 50 Ford. It had a 312 with two fours and a, uh, had a three speed in it too. And I tore, I tore about two or three transmissions out of it, and then I blew the motor up, and then I put a 406 in it with an overdrive and blew that up, <laughs> put a damn 427 in it with a four-speed and a nine-inch rear end. It's, I was sitting, I was out one night, and people, my dad was sitting on the front porch, and somebody came and stole it. I mean, my daddy could have reached out and touched it. It was right on the front porch. And uh, they told that thing and went and stole it. And I come home, my daddy's waiting up for me. He thought it was me. And I, whoever did stole it, took off out of there like a bat out of hell. And he was ready to kick my ass, man. He was raising all kinds. I said, well, I didn't even notice my car wasn't there. I said, oh, shit. <laughs> but anyhow, they found it. Dedication sticking to that story for all these years. Yeah. Then I, <laughs> I bought a 64 Corvette. Uh, a friend of mine had bought it brand new. Had a 375 horse fuel injected black on black. Had a full 56 gears under it, ordered real leather, center metallic brakes, real leather seats. And uh, I got drunk out and partying one night and outrun the police and crashed it. And of course, I had a new Triumph Bonneville motorcycle too. And I'd paid you know cash for both of them. I couldn't get insurance. I was in my damn driving record, so damn terrible. I didn't have no collision on it. So <laughs> and back in those back in those days, I've always been curious. If you're buying a brand new vet and like 64 to 67 was that like a cool badass car because today by today's standards when i look at a guy that's going out and buying like a brand new vet i instantly think of like you know midlife crisis new balances and maybe gold not chain yeah gold maybe not the coolest dude i know but back then i mean that car was badass that, is, that is was it, tall dog stuff right there i pull in the bar see that old 54 you know and women wouldn't even look at you. I go and have that damn Corvette with London fog jacket or something on it. Everywhere, just like ants, ants <laughs> it was badass, man. It was awesome. All of my women went up dramatically. You know? <laughs> that's the original varsity down there by Georgia Tech. That's it, baby. 
we just go in there all the time and we'd go drag racing, leave out. There'd be 15, 20 people go leave out of there and go race. I went at at least twice a week. It got to where when I had that 50 Ford, that a one-armed guy up front, he wouldn't even let me in. When I pull up, he just had gone by. And I'd stop at the top of the ramp next to the bars to him. And there was a ramp ran right by it. And I'd stop up there. And, of course, I had big old, big old headers just coming straight out of this thing. But I had a friend of mine. His daddy was a sheriff for Fulton County. So I didn't give a shit if I got two tickets a night, three. I didn't give a damn. I bet I had – when I moved out of my house when I was – 18, 19 years old, I had over 220 tickets sitting at our door. But it got to the point where these police said, well, how is this asshole still driving? I mean, damn, we've got, I mean, like I said, I've given him 10 tickets. I got, I've given him 10. How's he still got a driver's license? Well, it wasn't soon after that uh, old stench gum got caught. And of course, my driver's license got gone just like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good connection. <laughs> oh, man. But, so where, uh, you know, it progressed on, where did the, you know, business standpoint of, you know, uh, getting into Oxylance and, and everything that, that that's taken you through the years? Well, I've I, I got my first real job was with the railroad. And I started off just as a file clerk and moved up and started programming computers and operating, which I hated. Uh, I just couldn't sit still and program a computer. It just wore me to frazzle. Then I got promoted to what they call a roadway material supervisor, buying and selling all the railroad rail when we bought new stuff in and relayed and took the old out. And I would sell all the old stuff we pulled out, you know, the relay stuff and the old switch material and all that. And uh, one of the people I was selling to was called Valiant Steel. And they called me up and wanted to know if I'd come to work for them. I said, yeah. So I left the railroad, went to work for Valiant. And about a year and a half, two years later, back in like 74, uh, economy started it was really booming. And another pipe company came and hired Vance's whole pipe department. Two guys hired him away. Well, the owner came and asked me, he said, Bob, would you want to be interested in taking over the pipe department? I said, well, I ain't never sold any pipe. He said, well, you think you can do it, don't you? I said, well, I can do it if you give me a little time. So I took over the pipe department and uh, ran it for a few years. And then a couple of guys I went to high school, they were a little younger than me. Uh, they had a company called Oxlance. And, uh, they, I was selling them some small pipe for Oxalance pipe, you know, oxygen lance. <clears throat> so they said, man, you know, what all are you doing? And I was telling them what I was doing. Man, you need to come over here and go to work with us. We'll give you 25% ownership, give you a company car like you got, give you property sharing like you got, and insurance like you got and all that, give you a raise, and then give you 25% ownership too. So I, I left and came to work over there and started a company called Tower Pipe and Steel. And did did quite well. We were we were rolling. I I got a big deal with U.S. Steel and LTV, getting all their reject oil well cases that they were not all of it, but the bulk of it. And I had two yards up in McKeesport, and that's what really got me my first real money. That's when I really started making some money. And uh, I, uh, you know, the, the whole oil business went down. They shut down McKeesport, the, the pipe mill up there. So. <clears throat> Our business was still pretty good, but not anything like it was. And my partners uh, were all, they, they kind of didn't really have any interest in the steel business. They were doing a lot of real estate deals in Tallyrod, Colorado, and Destin, Florida, and, you know, big real estate guys. And they got where they didn't want to pay the bills very good. You know, they kept lagging. And I said, guys, you know, we all messing my reputation up. I'm, I pay my bills. Why don't I just buy you guys out? And they said, all right buy us out. So we made a deal. I got the bank financing to buy them out. And 
it's supposed to close on a next week on like a Thursday. Monday, I went into the office and there were two cops standing there with all my stuff in a box. He said, you're fired. Mm-hmm. All right. So I call him up and say, hey, I need to come by and get a check. They owe me about a million three that I'd left in the business to operate, you know. They said, we don't owe you any money. I said, really? So anyhow, I started brokering pipe by the basement of my house. Probably made 650, 700 grand. Where it didn't even have an, I mean, I was sitting in a bar in the basement of my house, uh, brokering pipe. Well, I sued uh, the guys and I hired a forensic accountant to go in there and go through the books. And these dummies had filed a tax return where they had already paid me the money. And uh, the accountant said, well, let, show me where the checks are that you wrote. And of course, they couldn't do that. So he called me up and said, you want to send them to jail? You want some money? I said, I'd like to do both. (laughs) (laughs) But in the interim, I had bought, uh, while all that was going on, I bought uh, a competing company. Their original partner, there was three Jewish boys that were partners, and they fired the one guy, and the two brothers were left. Well, the one that left, I started another company called American Thermax. So um, he he wasn't making any money, and he, he blamed it on his financing partner. And he said, Bobby, why don't you come buy my partner out? Which I did. Came and bought him out. So we started competing with the Liptons. And I turned around and hired the guy that was running Oxlance to come to work for me. And that's when they started going there. Of course, we were fighting back and forth and they still weren't paying their bills. And sooner or later, the steel mill started cutting them off. And uh, so anyhow, they went bankrupt. I bankrupt. And of course, I, I won a lawsuit with them. And I, I got about 850 grand, if I recall. It was, I didn't get all my money, but I was afraid if I didn't hurry up and get them, you know, get my money, that they go bankrupt. The trustee would turn around and say, hey, you know, I get a check and, you know, you got about a year. And I, I was afraid of that. So I, I took a short deal on it and uh, got settled up with them and then put them out of business and they bankrupted. And I went and bought them out of bankruptcy and uh, merged American Thermax with Oxlance. And I called it American Oxlance about four or five years till the negative stigma of Oxlance went off. And when I bought everything out of bankruptcy, I bought the trade name and everything else. So I just dropped American back off and I made it just straight Oxlance. And I got the same guy. I've been running that deal for maybe 35 years. He's still there and uh, doing quite well. <laughs> We're killing them right now. I mean, we, I mean, I've been doing pretty good, but right now for the last six, eight months, we just, we just killing them. Trump got everything all cranked up. And I mean, man, we steel mills are wide open. I mean, they're wide open and uh, we've got our margins up. Uh, you know, they know about what we have to pay for stuff. So, you know, uh, still prices started dumping a little bit here about five, six months ago. But now it just took off again. It's uh, must be all the hard work of that current administration that's helping that, helping, <laughs> helping your business <laughs> boom. <laughs> Poking the bear. It's so weird how people can give him any credit for anything. <laughs> God damn, man. You got to be kidding me. Guy's a buffoon, man. Pitiful. What, what exactly? You know Rich Cheney. You know Rich Cheney. No, the photographer? Photographer out of Pennsylvania. Yeah. You know, remember, remember that orange, was it a 39 Pontiac or something that was up there at uh, Columbus? I mean, just... Had all these crazy spoilers all over it and splitters and yeah yep yeah yep. I remember that oh man he he acts like that guy makes you guys look like Mickey Mouse <laughs> he said this guy makes Roger Shop Alan Johnson Bobby Alouaz dude everything everything you say is exactly opposite 
what I think. I mean, we're absolutely completely opposite each other. He has 50 sobs. 50 sobs. Oh, you said That's, enough, yeah. man. I always wonder who the fuck <laughs> drives or owns a sob, let alone multiple sobs. I said, dude, you know, you sound so stupid. If you would just say, if you would just say, sob is a good little car for cheap money. It's a pretty good little car for me. I said, they shut it down. You could have bought Saab if you would have guaranteed employment for those people. You could have probably bought the Saab for a dollar, the whole shooting match, you know. <laughs> but he's got 50 of them. And he, he compares them to world-class cars. And he said, I'll just take your portion. Bye-bye-bye. Wow. Man, <laughs> well, those are engineered by Jeff. Those Swiss cars? <laughs> Yeah, he's, yeah, he is absolutely. He's jealous, and he is a he's a raving liberal. He he calls orange man. I said, man, mm. you keep drinking this tang, you're losing your freaking mind, man. You you're crazy. So, in comparison to like G Force Cuda, that car outperforms it. Is it in his opinion <laughs> the Saab? The Saab? Well, no, the no, Saab or shot, whatever. The he shot my Cuda. He he shot it. Oh, I forget who which magazine he did, but he shot that. Oh, he liked the Cuda now. He he was all about that. But he isn't about, you know, like I bought one of those uh, Hellcat Durangos at Barrett. It was a charity car for, uh, that was for Ronald McDonald Foundation, I think. And he just bad mouths the hell out of that thing. I said, dude, that's a hell of a car. He said, I'll take my sob and go kick your ass. I said, yeah, maybe if you're on the dragon tail, maybe. You know, but if we got a little bit of straightaway, I'll gobble your ass up like you ain't even there, son. I said, it's ridiculous. I have never met an actual Saab owner in person, but I've definitely never heard a Saab owner talk shit about a Saab. Like <laughs> no, you know. that's, that's unusual. He's, he's, he's nonstop, I swear. It's just, it's unending. I mean, and like I say, if he would just sit here and say, it's a good little car for cheap money. Well, I bought one. Uh, it was a Pikes Peak car out of the Heritage Collection with GM. And the other car actually ran Pikes Peak, and this ran in kind of a stock class. It had a cage in it and all, but it probably had thousand miles on it. And it was a it was a pretty neat little car, and it, it shifted real good. The clutch was real good, and it pretty funky. And they, you know, jacked the motor up a little, and uh, but it had torque steer like crazy. I mean, you'd hit it, and then it'd, it'd start snatching the wheel every which way. And I wound up selling that thing with fifteen hundred miles, and I mean, this thing was brand new. I think I sold it to. Forty five hundred five thousand dollars, you know. I said, "Man, what the heck?" And if one of them, I always looked at those cars. They look like overgrown Playmobil cars. Yeah, you know, they look like little toys toy. that somebody blew them up. There's something said, wrong. Ugly with don't it. sell, big boy. I said, "Ugly just doesn't sell." You got to make something. <laughs> so, with all this in the business, so you've you know kind of taken us through the path of uh, you know getting into Oxylance where it is today, and you know the hard work that it took to get there and stuff. Throughout all that time, are you going to Going to rod runs through all that and, you know, car shows, are you buying cars? When did that come, that part come about? Well, you know, I, I pretty well had to get my house in order, you know, everything and get my kids educated, get myself 99% out of debt with everything. I'm still a little on my building over there, but I didn't start cranking out on big cars still. Uh, you know, I was in, a, I guess the CUDA was 07. I sold it in 07, I guess it was 06. Uh, I had that 69 Camara. Yeah, it was, I remember that. It was in the final five there for Street Machine when uh, Troy had the, the chicane up there. And uh, it was funny because uh, that's when the Ring Brothers had their first car up there. And they had that little Mustang convertible up there, a little red one. 
And I had that old Camaro. I had a big Donovan you know, 410 small block, but this was one evil sounding beast, man. I fired that thing up in my trailer, you know, and that thing, ah, man, it was just racing all kind of hell. Jim and uh, his brother come running over there. What the hell is that, man? <laughs> you know? And I got to be pretty good friends with them and uh, trying to offer them some advice. You know, they didn't, they didn't know Jack about anything really at that point. They just got started and I was trying to show them how to, you know, get some help from manufacturers and this, that, and the other. Of course, about three years later, hell, they on the moon, you know. But uh, we we both got in the five, but Chicane was probably better than other four cars combined. But the old, old, old Camaro was an evil sounding beast. I mean, today it wouldn't even, I mean, it wouldn't even do, you know. Like I said, they keep raising this damn bar. I told, told Alan when we did the uh, coup, I said, man, I got to get going. I said, they're raising this bar hiring giraffe pussy, man. I mean, every time I turn around, this something just going up. You're going to have to spend a million bucks before you can do anything, you know? And it just, it is. It just keeps getting, it's that bigger dick syndrome. You know, everybody got to out, outdo the guy before them, which is good, you know? Um, that is, it, it helps us all keep, uh, gives us something to shoot for. And that fucking oh. G-Force Kudu still is giving people something to shoot for. Yeah. So yeah. talk about raising the bar. That thing just blew it out of the water. That's it Still my favorite car ever built, I think. When uh, when Craig Jackson was out there and that uh, Challenger was out at Barrett at the Cup last year. And uh, he said, well, I guess this guy just outdid the G-Force Cuda. Uh, <laughs> I still, I don't think I've seen a street machine of the year car still to this day that if you brought G-Force Cuda out, that it beats it. That's, a, yeah. I mean, that's an honest you're statement. Right. Yeah, you're right. Uh, there's some that's, really that's nice a, stuff. Cars have... Bad bit. In it, in this day, it was uh, a trendsetter for sure. I think. Well, it's like that Corvette you brought out with old Barry about what two years later. Yeah. Was it out '62? Uh, yep. Yep. That, but that was a nice piece. That, that was nice. That was uh, nice and subtle. I mean, it was done. You y'all got out of hand a little bit on like that Nova. And, you did a little more than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Nova's not for everyone. And no, looking, back, really looking back at that, I'm like, I could have yeah, done, done a few things differently. I was doing here, man. <laughs> grill on that thing. I was. I started experimenting with a lot of hallucinogens and stuff in that era. <laughs> you know, I was kind of like the Beatles, you know, when they started getting into Some mushroom. Yeah, <laughs> got to go over the yeah, edge to know, you know where it's at. Stuff. You know, little Rich and I trying to compare this builder to y'all. I said, dude, you have lost your freaking mind. I mean. And he said, this guy can build a car like theirs and build it in three or four months. I said, dude, there ain't no freaking way. I said, you are out of your mind. You, you saw that old car I'm talking about, that orange car, right? Yep. You saw that? Orange and red two-tone? I said, my advice to this boy is get you a designer to design you a car and stay with the design. I said, you are crossing every line in the world with this car. I mean, you're trying to build a street machine that's a road racer that's some kind of... Uh, High hill climbing. I mean, the whole damn thing was out of whack. <laughs> it looked like crap too. Stance. I mean, everything on it was crazy. So when you, you came back from 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 Columbus that year when uh, Troy won with Chicane, which is another car that you know Chicane was something we talked about oh, all the time. Absolutely. So you oh, come absolutely. you come back and talking to Alan. You're like, it was the Cuda that you had it in your mind already, or no? Where did no, that come I from? Just, I, I just said, dude, I. I want to build something badass. I said, dude, I, this second fiddle shit ain't working for me. I need to, I want to do it one time. So, I mean, and I, I looked at two or three things and, uh, and I was out in, uh, I was out in Pomona and uh, a guy pulled in in a 71 Cuda in bare metal 
it was raw. I mean, it, it didn't have any pain. It was in broad metal. And I looked at that damn thing and I bought it just like that. And I called out and I said, man, I got a, I got a car now. 71 Cuda to me is about the ultimate car. Anyhow, I like it better than a 69 Camaro. Um, in fact, I just bought a 70 Pontiac. Uh, you remember that 56 that Kemp built? Uh, the one that had all the holes and everything, that real, real yeah. badass car? Yeah. Well, Kent Waters, uh, one of his customers bought it from me for 200 and uh, And then Kent talked to me into taking the motor and transmission, tires and wheels off of it, the seats, the steering wheel and all that. They put in a stack-injected LSX in it with a six-speed and all that. So anyhow, I, and I needed something to put that motor in. And uh, this guy had it up at Troy's. And then I guess he got tired of spending money and told Alan to go get it. And I didn't know Alan had it. And I done told him two or three times I was looking for something to put that motor and transmission in. And then he finally tells me about this Pontiac. And it's got a got a Morrison chassis under it. Uh, probably been done six, seven years before you guys really started really kicking out chassis out, like right and left. But uh, so I like an old 70, 71, 72, 73 Trans Ams. I, I like those cars. So that's what I'm going to put that motor and all that stuff in. And Alan's building me a split window over there now. Uh, we're putting a, I bought a Brodix block about, I guess, five, six years ago. And um, had it milled, you know, like the sprint car motors are. It's got SP2 heads on it. And I've got, I don't know if you guys ever think about building anything like that, but I got about uh, probably five or six Wilson fuel injection systems for the SP2. And it's very low profile. It's the top of it probably an inch and a half, two inches higher in the valve cover. It's sitting down in the valley with a big single throttle body coming into it. You get them under that flat hood on those C2s? Oh, absolutely. Yes. With a dry sump, you know, I'm I'm going to dry sump it and everything else where I can get everything down yeah, what, in there. What you need to do, we're just working on one right now, a split window, and we just did some 180 headers into side yep. pipes. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> that on that little nasty SB2. This is yeah, an LS7. That's the problem with a side pipe. To me, you're kind of hearing every other cylinder firing. You know, that's, yeah. It needs that 180 going on. That 180. I had a 64.5 AMC convertible. Had an L88 in it with 180 degree headers. Both of them came out the same side, like a NASCAR car. And uh, wow. it had the ugliest, most ridiculous interior you've ever seen. It had shamrocks and all, you know, green. I mean, it was, <laughs> I put a sign headed for sale down there. You know, Paul Atkins down there. And I wrote on the windshield, Paul Atkins interior. I had him crying. <laughs> he come up, oh, God, that ain't funny, man. <laughs> you know, that's not funny. But yeah, I backed that thing up and I whacked it a couple of times. And I know some guys back there jumped around, you know, and uh, they come up there and they had on shorts. And that thing, I mean, it'd kick your leg out from under you when you, when you crack it. It had some exhaust pressure. And it hit the, all the gravel in down there. And they told me like gravel in there. And they, it peppered. Look, they shot them with birdshot. Man, they, both their legs are bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, they were cussing me out. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Well, the, uh, the, the G Force. Kudo definitely was, you know, uh, uh, it set the bar and uh, still the bar has still been set um, from that. I mean, we talked to Alan in depth about, you know, all that went into that uh, build and, you know, still hats off to you and Alan for that, for sure. Where did, uh, where did it was you kind mean? of funny though, you know, Alan talking about, you know, there was several things on that car. I said, the car will have four headlights on it. It's going to have dual headlights. And they kept, so we won't, so I don't give a shit what you want. The car is going to have billboards on the side of it. 
It's going to have four headlights and it's going to have a sharp tooth grill. The rest of it we can talk about. <laughs> We're not talking about that stuff. <laughs> and, I, and, and he act like I wanted black billboards. I said, oh, I, it will have bill. We can ghost them on. That's all right, but it's going to have a billboard. And in fact, I don't want it obnoxiously just knocking you upside the head. So, uh, like I say, I was wanting that Panther Pink, though, you know, which <laughs> I know the I know the Mopar queers would love it, but <laughs> I got to think, well, everybody else think I'm a pussy or something. So I said, I ain't that secure in my manhood. So I, I went on painted at that orange. But the Alan, Alan and Chris both, when it was all over with me, looked at me and said, You were 100% right. He said, We got to tell you, you were right. Everything you said, that you had to have was what needed to be on that car. And if you'd have heard him when, you know, he was sitting there and said, Bob, the tire is sitting on the fender. You know, they had sectioned the front of that car, you know, to give it a little bit of a more streamlined look. Well, when you yeah. did, you lost about that much of your travel space in there. And he said, man, I don't know what we're going to do. I said, well, I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to put a set of damn scoops up on that thing like a super bird. And there was a big silence on the end of that phone. He said, you done lost your fucking mind. <laughs> it worked, man. I know, I know how the, every CUDA we've ever done, we work backwards. I take the tire, I bottom it out, and I put it like an eighth inch off the bottom of the fender. And then mm -hmm. ride height is where it goes up from there because they are they are slick-ass cars, and the ride height just makes them. But then when you wedge cut one oh, like yeah, that. Yeah, it compounded the problem. Uh, yeah. But uh, now they both admitted, just like Alan when I had that 69 Camaro, it had a black grill in it. And I told Alan, I said, you got that elastomeric bumper up there. It's black. That black grill is too much black. And he didn't, at that point, he didn't like a rally sport headlight. He liked the bug. I said, no, man, you know, you stick to your 32 Ford, son. I said, this is not good. <laughs> he was going to put some little commercial grill. headlights I know in this. there. I know this shit. <laughs> oh, he, uh, then he, he didn't like a bound top on it. I don't like it on a lot of them, but on that black with that extra trim around the roof, yeah. that's badass, man. It had houndstooth in it. I said, and he wanted the black bumper, back bumper black. I said, no. It had bumper guards on it and that chrome bumper. I said, no, don't have bumper guards. So when he got done, though, he looked at me and said, you were right. I said, I know I'm right. No matter if I'm right or wrong, I'm right. I'll man. tell you what, you got great taste because I've got a black and white 69 Camaro. I built it when I was 15 years old and I've still got it today. It's mm -hmm. collecting dust in mom's garage, but it's nothing is more badass than a black and white. I mean, maybe it's CUDA. But. I like the white house tooth, but I do the black. I like the white house tooth where the seats are white. I like the white better than I do the black. Yeah, I love that. But, you know, I had that original old house too, style interior in it, but, you know, wasn't even a custom seat cover. It was regular, you know, ones you buy off one of these kits, you know, which that thing wouldn't do anything anymore. But the car was one mean sign of beast. I'm telling you, it just, I pull in like Columbus and I cut the air conditioning on and I'd, I'd be running along and I'd be, you know, clutching it and I'd keep it up about 12 and a half, 1300, somewhere right there. And the motor just didn't like it at all. It just was running nasty in hell. It was spitting, popping, and kicking, and rattling, and raising all kind of hell. And I mean, that does Tucci, or not Tucci, uh, what's those two brothers up there that uh, built that 56 Chevy Terzig? Oh, yeah. Oh, Dennis yeah. Terzig. Yeah. That's their name? Yeah, Terzig. Yeah, Danny. They had built that 56. Well, so did some guy. I had about a 550, 600 inch big block in it. And he was pulling in, and I pulled up next to him in that Camaro. I was sitting over, and that thing was just, man, it was raising the hill. He looked at me like, what the fuck? 
when I when I got in the show, he comes walking up. What the hell is that thing, man? I remember it coming down that main drag at Columbus. First year yeah. you had it out there. We were just some random ass nobodies in that car coming down that center drag. Just fucking nasty. Yeah, it was a brute. It was a bruiser. That was one of Alan's favorite cars he ever built. He, he loved it to this day. My my daughters loved it. Uh, Angie loved it. My wife loved it. But it was where'd the car end up at? Cooper bought it. Uh, uh, I sold it to a buddy of mine, and Cooper traded a Porsche for it. And uh, oh, uh, oh boy, lives up in Connecticut. That little short, uh, what's his name? Uh, Pisano. Uh, Pisano. He had that. A Riddler winning car sitting out across from Allen and Alloway sitting there in the, in the aisle. He had bought it. It used to be an old Riddler car. Had it. Uh, in fact, he had up the Riddler. He got some kind of preservation award or something this year. Uh, not, not Joe Pisano. Uh, he's got a bunch of cars. He was a big Boyd fan. He uh, had Boyd build him a bunch of cars and just ripped his brains out of his head. Uh, I call him Floyd Covington. <laughs> <laughs> what a... Uh- when did you meet uh, Mr. Poteet and start that friendship up? I know y'all have been really close friends. You've bought and you've bought a shit ton of cars from from George. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I don't remember exactly when we first met. I'd met him at a couple of car shows, but we really got more closely uh, closer when uh, he uh, started running at Bonneville. I go out there and he's got a damn thirty-two Ford with a flathead in it, running about one hundred and eighteen miles an hour. I said, George, you're embarrassing me, man. He said, what? <laughs> I said, what the hell are you doing with this pile of shit? I said, that's ridiculous. Man, if your damn statue out here with a damn running 118 miles a damn hour. I said, look, I got a buddy of mine in, in Georgia. He's got a North Star and a 32 Roadster. And I said, that thing will it is bulletproof. I said, you can drive the shit out of it and run 185, 90 mile an hour. No problem. I'll sell it to you for $29,000. He said, all right. So I sent it to him. He started taking that there and, and that little car. Dan, I mean, everybody in Brother Joe, I, I bet they made 200 runs on that car. And uh, then he turned and sold it to somebody and they ran the hell out of it. Um, but he, he never has really said, but that's what really got him the first real itch because he wasn't, he was running, I'm telling you, 118 mile an hour. I don't think he ever broke 120 with it. He scratched the hell out of that itch. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, uh, when, when did you get, when did the Cadillac get built? The, the Bonneville, it was XLR, started, right? Yeah. I started at Cadillac. We were out at Bonneville. There's another Alan Johnson out there in California that builds North star motors. Well, I was out there with rabbit Bartles and all those guys. And, um, uh, that guy said, Bob, if you'll build a, a car, I'll build a North star to put in it. So anyhow, uh, Rabbit and I talked about it, and we decided we'd build an XLR Cadillac. Well, I went out and found a flood car, and uh, he was going to build a twin turbocharged North Star for this thing, which was going to make about 1,600 horsepower. And he did, but he didn't get the motor finished, and he was supposed to have the electronics on. He was supposed to do this and supposed to do that. Well, anyhow, I get it back over here, and, and Rabbit had to go piece a bunch of parts together, and it, the car just wasn't going to get finished. I told Rabbit, I said, we got to send this thing over to Allen. He said, well, I'm going to get fast. I said, no, you're not either, dude. I said, there ain't no way. And I got him to hire another guy, and which he did. But I said, you're nowhere near. So anyhow, we send it over to Allen, and Rabbit comes over here with his helper. And Allen puts a whole crew in. Of course, 
turned out about 10 times as nice as it would have been if Rabbit would have done it. But um, yeah, we went out there with that thing and the electronics were screwed up. At, 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 at Allen on the West Coast, he messed all the electronics up and damn thing wouldn't even crank. And then Allen had a friend of his over there out of Alabama that came over and looked. He said, well, it ain't going to crank because it ain't got a program in it. Y'all don't wipe the program out. There ain't a program. So he put a program in that thing fired just like that. And that other Alan Johnson, Raymond, our Alan Johnson for, you know, having the wiring messed up. And Alan said, there ain't nothing wrong with that wiring. So anyhow, they go out there and blow the motor up. It was running too lean. I mean, it was just burning the paint off. I said, dude, and we run a uh, methanol in it. I said, man, you got to strain this shit when you put it in there. One of my buddies that ran said, Bob, make sure you strain that stuff. He said, that thing will get lint and stuff in the injectors and plug them up and run it lean, which it did. So then uh, he wanted uh, you know, wanted me to send all my electronics. I had all the lab, bought all the electronics. I said, well, you got to tell me what you're fixing to do for this next year. He said, why don't you just buy my motor? I said, how much? He said, 30 grand. I said, 30 grand with a window stuck out of the side of it and the head's half blown up. I said, no. So anyhow, I got ties with him, went and got with Keith Dorton up there at uh, Automotive Specialist to build a, I just, I said, man, I, I want to run, you know, I'd like to run 300 for it. So we like a fool. I'm sitting here, my first pass going out to Barrett. I mean, at the Bonneville and going to shoot for 300. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> shit, man. But we, uh, Alan got the car finished, and uh, then I went back and put the SB2 in it. And if I'd have put a stock SB2 off the rebuild stack, like I did my 55, I had Keith building a motor for the 55, and he wasn't finished. And uh, nobody ever run 200 out there with a shoebox or a 55, tri five, or any shoebox. So anyhow, Keith had an old motor sitting over on the – he was fixing to rebuild, and he didn't have mine finished. I said, well – you think that thing? So I think it run 200 out there, Bob. I said, well, bring it on. So I threw it in there. We went out there. And uh, I, uh, I when I first got it, I, I bought that car at Barrett Jackson. And it supposedly had an SP2 in it, but it wasn't. It was a Brodix motor. And I went out there, and uh, we didn't have something wasn't right with the plumbing, and it blew a head gasket. So I pulled a motor and transmission all out, then put an SP2 and put a Jericho in it and all that. When I came out there, they said, look, Bob, you run over 200. We're going to kick your ass out of here because you ain't got Lexan in that car. I said, all right. So anyhow, I go out there, and I thought I was running over 200. But on the short course, they don't give you an out-the-door number. They give you an average on the two and the three. And I kept running 198, 197, 198. I told Alan, I said, something's wrong, man. I said, I know I'm running this fast. I'm looking at the tack. I said, he said, do you dummy? He said, they're giving you the average. You're going <laughs> to run over 200. You're going to have to. Go about 208, 209 or something. So, anyhow, I came back the next run and pushed it. It probably was running 208 to 210 because it averaged 202. Put it back in there, never did say anything. And I forgot what to tell you. They said, Look, Bob, we don't care if you kill yourself. We just want to have to clean the mess up when you're out there. <laughs> you can go kill yourself all you want to. Of course, after that crash in that Cadillac, you know. What happened with that? You wrecked, you wrecked the shit out of that thing, didn't you? <laughs> Shoots were messed up. Uh, we uh, had gone testing over at the airport over there in uh, Ga- Gaston. And, you know, when you get out there on the airport, it was tearing the chutes up. You know, it popped the chutes out there. Yeah. And it was getting them kind of. So we sent them back to Stroud to rebuild them. <clears throat> and uh, he lost them. He was in the process of trying to sell the company. And some of the employees are mad. Well, lost the damn chutes. 
So he said, well, I'm making a new set. So he did. I said, well, make me a second set where I got, when I got to clean these up, I won't be such a push. I'll have a clean set sitting there waiting. Well, they made a second set, and these things, the panels weren't the same. You know, they weren't uniform, and the gaps weren't the same. And uh, when we put those chutes on that car, they were skying. They were just blowing around all over the place and spun me out there. So after I broke the record, I sent them all back to him to remake them. You know, I said, dude, somebody's messed up. Plus, they told me they didn't want me pulling two chutes at the same time. I'd just be full throttle. i got them through the end out there, and i just leave the f- gas on the floor and just reach up and hit both chutes, and it it just snatch it, you know. And they said, no, nah, yeah, you don't do that no more. Uh, so... They wanted us to make a high-speed set of chutes and a low-speed, you know, regular ones. And what we should have had is ribbons on it. These were panel chutes. That's, that's where we really screwed up. And I wanted to switch to uh, Dietz, you know, D, whatever is he call himself, uh, yeah. Dietz. I wanted to switch to his panels. And Alan just wanted to stay with, with Stroud. He felt comfortable with that asshole. But all he wound up doing, he, he took my worst set of chutes and made the high-speeds out of them. And all he did was add some extra tether to it. So, you know, it it gave it a little more room behind it. But, boy, when I went through that, I, best run that car ever made. We, we set the record at 247, I think it was. Came back the next month, put 50 horse of nitrous on it. I had three stages. I could go 50, 100, up to 250 or 300 on nitrous. Then I had a blower for it on top of that. You know, I was going to run 300 with this damn thing. So anyhow, we put 50 horse on it, and this mother ran 264. Went from 247 to 264, and I didn't pull the sh- pull the nitrous in till I hit the four mile. At the four, I reached up and hit it, and boy, I mean, that damn thing, it took off like a bat out of hell. I said, whoa. And used to, it wouldn't even pick up a mile an hour in the last mile. I mean, it was just, it was a nine-to-one motor, and it just didn't have the torque, you know. But it was looking for a power adder anyhow. Uh, the camshaft that was in it was looking for a blower or nitrous or something. And that was the best run a car ever made. Smoothest, nicest run it ever made. And I reached up and hit that chute, and I mean, it went real quiet. I was like, oh, shit. And I was like, boom. I mean, it, it hit nine times end over end. It was going end over end. And I don't know how it was up in the air, but it's going over 100 yards of flip. Damn. I mean, this mother was <laughs> when it landed, it was a half a mile, and there were pieces <laughs> laying everywhere. Man, you ain't never seen such a mess. Who built the it, cage in that man? That's what I was going to ask. They were props to well, them. See, the thing about those old Cadillacs and Corvettes, they already had a cocoon in there, anyhow. You know, it was all an enclosed, you know, structure. And then we built them a chassis, and then we try and build a cage in there. On in addition to that, they cut a couple of sections out of that thing to see what the hell that shit was made out of. Because it hit on the roof every time, I think. I think it hit on the roof every time. What is that first, like, when the tires leave the ground and the car begins to flip, what does that oh shit moment feel like? Because the only <laughs> time I've ever done that, I don't remember it. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. It was uh, pretty pretty weird. Uh, I didn't know what was going on, man. It just got real quiet, and all of a sudden, bam, that first hit. I thought it blew my eyeballs out of the sockets, man. I was bleeding out of my ears, my nose. Oh, shit. I mean, that thing hit on that first lick uh, on my head. And I'm laying down there at, uh, well, probably the close to the six where we landed. And then nobody's down there, you know. There's no, and, and this guy was standing about the five and a half. And he comes down there on his uh, little old cart or something. And 
He's peeking in the window, you know, and I look, I said, get me out of this motherfucker. They figured they were picking up pieces. Well, I've got, I've got some information here um, that, that said to, that everybody knows about your Cadillac wreck, but not many people know about your airplane crashes, multiples. And uh, there's also a SCCA license crash that I should ask you about as well. Are you like a fucking cat over there? Yeah, how many lives do you have? Yeah, this, this source sure. says that you've gone through 11 of your nine lives. Yeah, that's pretty close, I think. But that crash, uh, I was taking a flying lesson. I had this young guy, I was an instructor, and uh, we we're flying along in here, and I was fixing this. I, in fact, I'd already soloed much, but he reaches down and cuts the fuel off. And he said, What are you going to do? Things start sputtering. And he act like the motor cut off. You know, he said, well, he said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to land over in that field right there. He said, well, get about doing it, big boy. So I <laughs> a little turn. And when I did, I was a little wide, you know, so I settled back up, came on in. He said, he gives it back, you know, cuts the fuel back on. He said, let me show you what you did wrong. And he started climbing out and he got up about maybe three, two or 300 feet. And he just does like that. Well, this so much when they accelerated the stall, full power. They just really, I mean, it just started just cartwheeling down we're right down in the middle of a forest and luckily hit a poplar tree going straight down and it's a little Cessna 152 damn near brand new uh, airplane but it hit just right with a propeller right in the strength of that tree and it buckled it and we just followed it all the way into the ground should kill the hell out of both of us and if it had been a twin or anything else it would have but it just hit a, a, a not not a pine tree not an oak tree but a poplar which is Fairly strong, but you know, not so strong. But uh, and anyhow, I had to carry the pilot out of there. Had a couple of limbs. There were limbs going through this plane. And, and, uh, you know, you see these swords deals in a, in a magician show or something. That's what this thing looked like. I had a couple of them hit me in the head, busted my head wide open. Had blood pouring out of my head into my eyes. I couldn't see them. Were pointing upside down. And oh man. So anyhow, he's not teaching flying lessons anymore, is he? No, I didn't. And the uh, bad thing is, when I sued the flight deal, the young guy, he commits suicide about a month before we go to court. Oh, damn. He's taking a bath and then throws a radio in the tub with him and electrocutes him. I thought that only worked in movies. Oh, my God. The fucking yeah. real deal. <laughs> I had some, I had a jury sitting there and everybody wanted to give me, you know, five or $600,000. Had one guy on there was worked at a hardware store for his father-in-law. And somehow they got to show how much money I was making. They got in there and, I, and that was admissible, which I, I thought was just crazy thing. And he said, screw this son of a bitch. He said, if I, that guy makes too much money already, I ain't going to give him any money. He wound up giving me $5,000. <laughs> I mean, I paid more than that for a private investigator. But the damn stupid lawyer I had, he lost all my bloody clothes. Man, I mean, I, I was a bloody mess. So you ought to have seen that. That big old... Scalp wound, you know, it, it just lifted part of my scalp way back. In fact, I still got a scar up there. But uh, they lost all the blood. It was just a comedy of errors. I was in the process of building, you know, my business, and I was so damn busy. I just didn't have time to keep monkeying with it. You know, I said, that's good. So they, they gave me, I wouldn't settle. So they gave me an extra five, gave me 10000 to settle. And I said, ah, well, whatever. I said, I'm so mad with a lawyer. I had to give him 30% or whatever it was. So I said, hello, I'll screw him, you know. 
I'll, I'll take a short deal where I don't have to give him anything for screwing this old deal up. It's a cool ass story. I mean, at least, <laughs> you, got you, at least you got that. What about Is that the, your uh, only plane crash? I heard there was multiples. No, well, I was coming back from uh, we had, <laughs> uh, we at least a Lear twenty four, or I guess what, what do you call it twenty four twenty it was a little small Lear went up to Pittsburgh and came back into Atlanta, and uh, a tornado hit here. And it had a bunch of airplanes over the airport all turned upside down, ripping the roof off. And he circled around a minute. He said, hell, I'm going to have to go land somewhere. He said, we're getting low on fuel. So we fly over to Chattanooga. And we come into Chattanooga, and he's going to land. He starts coming in and hit a wind shear. And all of a sudden, damn, you're a little leery. You can just sit there and look right out the front of it. All of a sudden, I look, and the damn runway's coming up like that. <laughs> and he reaches up and gives it full power. And that damn thing turned around. It hit the ground and knocked half the running gear and all that, but it landed. So I said, where can I rent a car to go home? <laughs> I was in Chattanooga. <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't flying no more as I'm done. But that's, we didn't really crash that. I mean, I, it was, could have. It, it should. <laughs> if it wouldn't have been anything but a Lear, it would have crashed. But it has so much power, you know, the little light plane. But that was only two real plane crashes that, uh, thank goodness. I mean, what's, only two. What's the story about the SCCA licensing crash? I wasn't getting a license. We were just over here. We rented, um, rented that uh, little old uh, Talladega short track over there. It's a little bitty, yep. like a motor, like a damn motorcycle looking track or go kart track over there. And a buddy of mine had rented this uh, little, eh, one of them uh, Nissan, little, of course, Datsun back in those days. He had rented it. And we we're all over. And I just come back from the West Coast. I was tired and sleepy and had a cold and beat up and hadn't had any rest. And like, come on, let's go over there. So I go over there with him and we'd all go out there and we'd time it. And then the next day I come out, do a little better. We just kept one up on each other. And I came off of one of those turns over there and it kind of kind of little sideways and got over. There. And when it did, it got sideways and dirt. And then oh spring there, the shackle dug in. Net flip about four or five times, you know, chip flying everywhere. <laughs> and the funny thing is, is uh, George took the car back to the guy and tied it to a tree. We had it up on the road back, tied it to a tree and left it out in the guy's yard. <laughs> and the guy calls him, what the hell happened to my damn car? He said, what? What do you mean? He said, he said, my car is torn all to pieces, man. So anyhow, the guy calls me up. I said, how much do I owe you, man? He told me, I said, hey, I'll send you a check. He said, you going to send me a check? I said, yeah. I told you I would. I said, I crashed your damn car. I'll send you a check. I said, I had that much fun anyhow. I was for $7,000. $7, I'll tear that thing all the hell and back. That was pretty good fun. We scared my eyes. Those two guys to death with me. And I come walking out there, had a little glass charge all over me. But I guess I'm pretty hard to kill. I don't know. I wrecked that Corvette that time. That Corvette, that was bad. Which, I, which Corvette? At 64, that fuel car. I crashed it. I was out drunk, out running the police. He said, "Just he's only more about the ambulance. Just send a damn morgue over here. We got a dead one." He said, "Wait a minute." He said, "That son of a bitch is coming out of there." <laughs> but it, it broke my cheekbone. It when the windshield post came back, it hit so damn hard it popped the doors on it. There's not, a lot not of much on those cars. Yeah. yeah. What was yeah. you? What was you doing? Driving a little, little too fast. I was drunk. A friend of mine was over at the Whisker Go-Go over here in Atlanta, and he said, man, I got a good-looking set of twins over here, man. He'd come over. And I'd never really drank much liquor. I drank a little beer, but I got out there dancing and prancing and showing out with those little girls. And <laughs> got a little whiskey, and I said, I'm going to have to go sober up a little before I go home. And, uh, and I'd already outrun that policeman at least twice over there. <laughs> I dated a couple of girls over that way. 
he saw me coming down the street and he jumped me. And I, I just remember going into third gear. I remember I hit third gear and I was, and the street is as straight as an arrow. I mean, I, I, I think I passed all the adrenaline. I, I passed out, hit that pole. It, it pole was buried up in the front of the car hmm. and it went to two or three yards, flipping end over end and whatever. Damn. But, Seems like a 350Z holds up better when you do that. (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy's got himself a a, a similar uh, inebriated story uh, on a a flip, too. Yeah, I was just a young man. What was it, like 22 years old or something? But in a 350Z, it did the same thing. Went, put it end over end. It it felt like the damn, like your salt flats crash. Like I felt like that thing was 100 yards between every time it was landing. Through telephone calls. Alan Alan was shaking like a leaf. All he could see was an ambulance sitting there. By the time he got down there, and I wasn't there. And he thought I was still in the car because a bunch of people standing around the car. I was standing back on the other side of the ambulance, you know. And I mean, I'm telling you, he's shaking like this, man. He was, it scared these shit out. Yeah, it was pretty ugly mess, man. And everybody said, what'd you do with that thing? I said, what do you mean? That thing was bent and twisted every which direction. But you know, that thing was stretched about 20-something inches in the front. It had a long – it was a good-looking car. It, it was uh, – Yeah, it was. I loved that car. It, sure. was a, it was a very pretty car. It wasn't wasn't a quality of uh, Blowfish or Allen Studebaker. But it was damn nice, but, you know, it wasn't, wasn't world-class. It was just nice, you know. So shifting gears a little bit, what got you into uh... – the auctions and you know specifically Barrett Jackson and, and going there, you've always had a, a good taste, but eclectic taste. I mean, you've you'll come back. I mean, I'll talk to you at shows and whatever, and it's like, yeah, I bought this, I bought that. About what? What's your method to the madness? Is there a method oh, yeah. to the madness? Where did where did you know going to the auctions you know start? Tell us a little bit about I just, that. I've been going 25, 30 years, I guess. I don't know since the late eighties, I guess. Uh, I've been friends with Steve Davis for a million years. Uh, we've been friends before he ever even came to Barrett Jackson. Steve used to have his own little auction out there in the Visea. Now he's an, that's, that's a car guy right there. Now I mean that boy, but he is a, that's the biggest transformation you'll ever see anybody in your life. He used to be he'd come to Barrett Jackson, bring probably ten or fifteen cars, no reserve. All this no reserve shit started with Steve Davis. Uh, he would bring his own stuff out, run it no reserve. Him and his old father-in-law, Willie, would be out there cleaning and always at the back of this building, quiet, reserved. You would ever think this guy would be up on the stage waving and carrying on. And uh, uh, unbelievable. He's uh, he's one good guy, though. He is as honest as a day is long. We've done a lot of stuff together. He's I trust him with anything I own. You bought some crazy stuff through Barrett Jackson. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, bringing Indy out there like shortly after you bought a those little BMW. Was it a I set us? Yeah. yeah, yeah, a little rally yeah. looking car. Yeah, every time I, I bump, that. every time I bump into you out there, it's something. It's either off the fucking wall or something really cool. Yeah, this buddy of mine called me up. Said, "You gonna bring a trailer?" I said, "Mine never go on there." So we need to get on there. I said, "Why?" He said, "There's a car on there. You'll buy." I said, "What is it?" He said, "It's a Hinkle." I said, you mean a three-wheel Hinkle? He said, yeah. I said, I already got a damn Isetta. And I said, I just sold my Mischer Smith. He said, yeah, but this one's got a CBR 900R in it. It was six feet. <laughs> <laughs> I was running back about, I think it was running about two hours, so I got rich. Uh, he comes back about three or four hours. He said, did you get a chance to look at that thing? I said, yeah, I looked at it. He said, what did you think? 
I said, what do you think? He said, I think you bought it. I said, I think you're right. <laughs> this is one gnarly piece here, man. This is 14,000. I think a red line was like 14 grand. I mean, this mother, Damn. it was skipping and hopping and jumping like a little rabbit, man. I mean, it's all over the place. Gear pretty low. I mean, I mean, you're just hitting gears. You're just doing like that. You're just reaching up, just, you know, just sitting there like hitting it. I'll it's never forget. Cool. This was probably what, six, maybe eight, eight years ago. I don't know. I'd lose track of time. He, you remember Bob bought that that big ass belly tanker that was that fuel that tank, thing. and he's riding around in Columbus with the with the flighter <laughs> flighter thing on. <laughs> that thing was crazy. Uh, was that was that one of the Blastoline brothers? Yeah, I should have kept that stupid. That was a wing tip off a uh, Constellation Lockheed. They didn't drop those tanks. This was a great old big tank. You know, you should drop those tanks. Just had the extra fuel you know they drop them but this was actually a wing tip tank off a super constellation lockheed plane so i think it was huge who built who built that uh he's a cool kid he had uh he had a what was that thing he had out there at barrett this last time uh didn't get in the five but it was a cool old piece uh some kind of amphibious looking thing out big old thing Pettit, is his name Pettit or something like that? Oh, Eddie. Uh, Eddie's Rod Shop? Eddie Pettis or something. Yeah, Eddie, yeah. Eddie Pettis. Eddie's yeah, cool Rod Shop. I didn't know he built that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real cool guy. Oh, nice yeah, guy. He's, he's a good dude. Yeah, that was a. That was definitely one of the more... I know you're into those little three-wheelers and those little bitty cars and stuff. That was definitely one of the more eccentric build uh, purchases well, for I, sure. I went through different stages. I, I used to have about every Crosley. I owned every Crosley ever made except for the Farmer Road, they called it. It was a little Jeep-looking thing. They call it Farm or Road. But I don't know other one I had. I had them with Marvel Mystery Oil and Injection Systems on them and Braget <laughs> Speed Equipment and all that crazy-ass shit. I went through some stages of going through this, that, and the other. Yeah, after getting through your collection, you know, we stopped in there on the road tour. And, man, it is that has got to be the most eclectic collection I've ever seen because <laughs> it is, I mean, from the – Weirdest, craziest 80s super bikes to three-wheeled cars. To, I mean, you name it, Mopars. It doesn't seem like there's, you discriminate much. You're kind of well, into I, just about I, damn everything, huh? I, you know, everybody asks, I said, I like, I like everything. I like Ramblers. I mean, you know, it's kind of what it is. I like it. I had a 66 Rambler wagon, and uh, Warren Johnson had built the 390 motor in this thing. And his, his nephew is uh, Danny Lappy. And that's his nephew. Anyhow, I bought it from him. Had that motor in it, and I took it, drove it up to Maxton to, uh, you know, when they were doing the mile deal up there. So a couple of us drove up there in that thing, and I pulled in the deal, and, I, and he said, well, what class you want to run? I said, I don't know. Fastest class you let me run. He said, well, you ain't got a cage in it, so you can't run but 135. I said, ah, shit, I guess that'll have to do. He said, you don't think that thing run 135, do you? I said, nah, I figured about a little over a third of a mile I'll have to lift. <laughs> he started cracking up and said, man, you're crazy as hell. So anyhow, I came out there and a little over a third, man. I, I was I was looking at my tag. We'd got out there with rabbit. We'd measured the tires, and I knew what the gear ratio was. So uh, I, I went down to there about, about I mean, it was way less than half. I was, you know, just I'd let out of it and then try and just hit it, you know. And, I mean, it just jumped like that. So I pulled back in the pit. I'd run 135.022. I pulled back in there and he looks at me. What in the fuck is in this thing, man? Of course, you know, look at that. 
that Rambler, those those three nineties look like a two eighty nine Ford. They're, they're a small exterior looking engine, but this thing was bad to the bone, man. I'm telling you, this thing was fast. I came back the next run, ran one hundred forty five, and boy, they came over there. They said, "Load that piece of shit, get it out of here, man." <laughs> I said, why? I said, I said, I didn't know I was running that fast. I said, bullshit. You, we saw you measuring these tires. You know, you know how fast you were running. Well, what's that old boy's name is hooked up with? Uh, I don't know. He's out of Florida down there. Was head of, head of that deal. Did all that stuff with uh, the hot rod guy. Built them old Camaros and uh, his wife. In fact, he held a record that I broke with that Cadillac. He had a... Uh, uh, Fry Burger. He's partners uh, for Fry yeah. Burger. Well, all yeah, that crazy. Hot, hot run, dude. Yeah, yeah. But he was the one that ran a lot of that uh, one mile stuff. Hmm. But his that, that yeah. little car he had held a record. I was on the line. I broke the I broke the record. And then Mike Cook comes right in behind me with his uh, little little car and broke the record too. So he said, I'll let you run ahead of me in case you get the record. At least you get the record. If I come back and break your record, you'll have already you know, gotten the 200 club and all. So I said, all right. Well, Alan and him came in there and uh, jacked the timing up a couple of three degrees and then dropped the gear ratio down, too. Well, I came out of the hole like I normally do, and I just came up here and I just started rolling into it. Well, man, that extra timing and that gear, man, it, it just caught the... It caught the cam just like that and washed it out. We had over 60% of weight on the back tires, which is too much. We we were still learning, like I said, a couple of young idiots out there trying to run 300 right out of the right out of the gate. Pretty damn stupid. But so anyhow, he wound up breaking the record. So I had to turn. I, I couldn't because I spun. So I had to come back, break his record, and come back, break it again. And he he ran. I, I know Chessel uh, loaned him two or three motors and everything else. He he, he never could break it back, and he did later on another event, but he couldn't get it done there. If I'd have just stuck a stock NASCAR motor with a carburetor on it, like I did my 55, I'd run at least 10 or 15 miles an hour fast. I've been running 260, I think, uh, with just a stock motor. That's, that's where I stupid I was. Instead of building all that crancy, fancy motor with blower deals and all that other nonsense. You're gonna I'm, I'm, I'm kind of itching to do that 200-mile-an-hour thing. Standing well, my we got the yeah. car right now. We're just finishing up this Grand National. It makes it this well, you'd know, Bob. Mm-hmm. This car makes 1700 horsepower twin turbo LS 4L80 350 gears. What's the record? What class you run? I don't know. I'm just I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, do like the, I'm gonna do the I 94 class, the one where you go out on the highway and, and you know hit 200 <laughs> miles an hour. That's oh, you got that's you what got, I'm looking for. You got Jesse did it with the Maverick, you got tr- uh, Troy from BBT is doing it with that f- green firebird or tried to run it. I think he went one, 196, 196 and then blew yeah. the motor up. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of the next, uh, the next cool guy thing, isn't it? To say that you did that 200. I guess. Well, in, in Bonneville, you got to break a record and go 200. You don't get in a 200 club without breaking a record. So oh, really? you ran over 200. That, that don't do shit, man. You got to break a record with doing it. So, uh, I don't know. You, you're talking about a Grand National Buick. Yeah, yeah. 87 Grand National. It's a bad motherfucker. Oh, yeah. Well, they were pretty bad when old Jessel, not Jessel, but uh, uh, what's one of Bill's? Uh, one of Bill's George's motors up there. That Kenny Duttweiler? Yeah, Duttweiler. Yeah. Duttweiler used to race those six owners. They're bad, that dude. Man, this, this guy was some, there's some bad ones out there. Oh, Bertie Ingersoll. Remember when old Ingersoll ran Pro Stock with one of those, those six cylinders? And okay, they let him run, you know, turbos. He just couldn't get consistent. 
Well, I think uh, Ohio George Montgomery was a, was a lot of the brains behind that too. Ohio George, he was, he was. Yeah, it was. It's basically just a V eight. They knocked the last two cylinders off, isn't it? I'm not. I've, like, got, I'm not a, I've got an eighty nine Indy five hundred Trans Am. I bought new. Damn. I blew five motors up in this pile of shit. <laughs> Jim Ruggles, he just kept making more and more horsepower. I said, dude, this gets you're not getting enough fuel to this motor. Your injectors, you ain't putting big enough injectors. You ain't got enough fuel pressure. You ain't got enough fuel line. You ain't got enough return. So you got stuff, you get stuff up into the 80s in your collection now, huh? I just that I bought new, but not really. No, I'm not much of an 80s guy. What's the one thing that you that you just won't part with out of everything you've got in that collection? I'll part with any damn thing I own. If you got, hmm. I mean, I know you got that craftsman, the craftsman truck. Yeah, you got that craftsman C10 either like, give me a number on that. Or I want first right of refusal on it. That was like, the a, y'all built, the yeah, C10. You, have you still got it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't get that car to hook up at son of a bitch. It's a fucking pickup truck. That. Yeah. But God damn, man. I'm telling you, it just blows them tires off. It, you know, it's, a second gear too. So sell it. When I got it, you know, it had several <laughs> plug wires that were, you know, the way y'all ran everything, the plug wires were all, you know, we were, we were in a hurry at the time. We, on, had, yeah, we, had re, we just rerouted all the plug wires and the coils and everything else because I, I couldn't keep them. I've wrapped them and everything else. I just couldn't keep them from burning up. <laughs> but uh, the thing's pretty snotty now. What did you do for a motor in that? Because it, it was, who did it? It was a, uh, Don Hardy. Don Hardy LS3, Don Hardy. right? Yeah, it's just like a 550, yeah. 600 horse LS3. Yeah. Yep. Still the same motor? Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. I had to put a, I think we had to put a lifter in it. I had a lifter starting to make a little bit of racket, so we put a lifter in it. You know, if you don't buy just lifters, I mean, some of these common lifters and all that stuff, you can get out here and run it. That stuff ain't going to live that long, you know? But yeah, throw a bunch I, of uh, sandbags in the bed. Go take it out. See what it does. Yeah, and it needs a little weight back there. Ah, shit! I hell, I'm gonna. I just wish it would. And there's something little something in there. I can't get it to shift. If you're on, if you're on the power, run along regularly. It just shifts like grease lightning. But if you take off in low gear, and we'll reach up, grab second. Is it five speed or T fifty six? Six. Six speed. Mm-hmm. It just, hmm. I don't know, there's some little something about the alignment going in there or something. It does not want to shift. Oh, it run along regular without a bunch of power, which is beautiful. It's slick. But man, you hammer on it and it's starting to get break loose and all you reach up and want to grab second or something. Well, just don't do that. It sounds like <laughs> the, way, the way you're describing this, like, it sounds like I, I can buy this cheap. It's kind of sounds like it's all <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> no, I, li- I love the looks of it. <laughs> I like the looks of that truck. And I saw it out there at Barrett when y'all had it out there in Scottsdale before it went down there. And I said, I'm going to buy this puppy. Ooh, it's a good, really looking, good looking truck. Yeah. I like those orange. Alan's going to build his with that gold. I like gold on that truck, too. Gold and ivory is really pretty on that truck to me. Yeah. But the gray, there's several combinations on that truck that are very pretty. I personally like a 6768 better. Yeah, I prefer the 6768 hood line. That front end kind of, but you know, I, I don't know if you remember the one that Butera started and traded to Boyd when Boyd went bankrupt. I went out to Boyd's bankruptcy and I went out there to buy one of those little John. Well, first I went out there to buy the big old rig that Boyd had, that big truck. It's all like red, wasn't it? Yeah. 
the wrong guy to Louisiana wound up getting it. And then got Boyd's wife too, when it was all over with, <laughs> it was kind of a grudge, grudge deal going on there. But, um, see, you remember the junkyard dog at 56 Chevy that yeah. Boyd, well, he was building it for that Ron guy. And then Ron Pratt saw it and Boyd turned in and sells Ron's car to Pratt. Huh. And this guy had paid to have the car built. And then when Ron Pratt sees it, he buys it. And Boyd sells him the damn car, and it wasn't even his car to sell. So, anyhow, he somehow in that bankruptcy wound up at that big rig. And I go over there to buy the rig, and it's, it's already sold. So, anyhow, I was also looking at uh, little John had built a couple of Harley Sportsters. He called them Speedsters. And they were that typical little John, just meticulous, plain, clean, understated, just absolutely freaking gorgeous. None of the cables, you couldn't see everything was hidden. It was, they were awesome. And uh, they, they went for a lot of money, but I had that 67 blazer that little John had started that Boyd was about finished with. You remember that truck? No, I don't I remember, remember that. doing that. You need to look up. That's, that's, that's the baddest truck ever built right there. You know, back then, Alan Allen wasn't really doing all kind of crazy stuff. And I bought that thing at that auction. And Alan gets it back and gets it up on the lift. And John had built the chassis. All the suspension was custom-built stuff. It was some kind of piece. Uh, but I, I, it was um, – Boyd had gone bankrupt, and I went out there and bought that thing. I mean, it, it had – everything was beautiful. But he had chopped the top little, and it was on a blazer because – way he cut everything down, a regular bed would have been too long. This thing was the most proportionate thing you'll ever see. It was beautiful. And yeah, underneath it, I, you still got it? No, I sold it to, I think, Buckshot Jones' daddy, a big cable guy over here. He's got it sitting in it. But the only reason I sold it is it had a turbo 400 in it. And I just don't like a car with a, without, without some kind of overdrive in it. And I couldn't fit in where the chassis was done. You just couldn't hide and I, I sold it and bought it back and sold it again. But uh, yeah, you need to look this thing up. This thing is yeah, check that out. And I, I, I got to tell you, everything though in your collection when we were out there, the coolest damn thing you got that I can't get out of my mind is that <laughs> vintage travel trailer you've got ah, sitting. That's what out. I was going to ask him about. Sitting out, you got to yeah. tell me about that by the that was pond the because coolest setup. Ever since that's... I've seen that, I've been measuring. I'm only on like an acre, and I'm measuring every ounce in my yard to see i've got like an hoa rules and all this crap I've got one and I'm like, where can you. i stick one I've of these <laughs> well you know there was one out there at uh lake auction that's a westcraft trolley top is what they call that thing it's got those skylights up in the roof of it it's like a trolley you know they raise the roof up and you get natural light through these skylights up there in the roof and that thing's all original inside everything on that trailer inside it's all original the floors the uh, copper screens, uh, wooden shutters, everything's original in this thing. And my wife, I, I didn't want to put it outside. And I go out of town and she calls my guys and they had a carpenter come out and build a damn cedar deck right up against the son of a bitch. I come back. Oh, I said, oh my God. It is, it is so cool. For the for everybody listening, like Bob she, has the most bitching collection you've ever seen. I mean, beautiful building filled with all badass shit. But the coolest thing there. Out in the front yard, this beautiful pond with it. It's got to be what mid fifties, early fifties travel trailer, overlooking this. Yeah, overlooking this pond with a deck in front of it, and it is just, it's well, badass. She deserves the credit because she did. Yeah, that's a great, great call on her part. 
we've got a 50, that's a 50 Westcraft. We've got a new, a new Airstream, uh, 2021 or whatever that we bought. And then I, Johnny Ransom was up at uh, RM up at the Hershey and uh, they had a 1960 or so Airstream up there, like a 22 or three footer had a bathroom and everything and fully restored. In fact, my wife doesn't like it much. After she had that new one, she doesn't breathe. So I'm going to sell it. And that's nice. It's all polished up, got air, bathroom, everything. It's it's pretty neat. I like those mid, the mid fifties Spartan mansions. Yeah, those, are, those are bad. We found one on, uh, on bring a trailer and it was, it was at like 50, 60 grand something. And just, yeah, we're going to buy this thing. It was badass, all restored. And with like five minutes left in the auction, it kept going up, kept going up. And we're like 300 something. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Did it go for that much? Yeah. It, was, it was so. It was badass. badass yeah, those things are sweet. Martin was an aircraft manufacturer, but they weren't quite as pretty. The pretty ones are Bowles Arrow. Bowles Arrow. Elliott's A-R-O. They, they kind of torpedoed a little in the back. And you want to get back in the late 40s. Uh, you know, the, the older they got, the prettier they were. You know, that little tail lights and bumpers, everything got real small before they started trying to give them safety and this, that, and the other. Uh, but look, look, if you want to see a cool one, look up. Um, I'll write this uh, down Westcraft Trolley West, Top Westcraft. Calypso. Calypso. They sold it, it sold on Bring a Trailer. It's uh, is that the one that had like the they had a bar? It was all like it had to be late 40s. I went for well, huge this, money. This is, a 50, this is a 50 like mine, but it's a little longer. This was like 33 or 34 foot. The guy spent 600,000 restoring it. Yep. He had it for sale on Rob Report. You can find it on Rob Report. You can find it on uh, the other big magazine too. Uh, but anyhow, he takes it. He takes it to Lake Auction and I go out there to buy it. And they just ran the bid up right quick. And uh, anyhow, this guy's got, he's got cancer in his eye. Had to have his eye removed. His house burnt down out in Santa Barbara. I lost all that. This thing's been sitting there for like three years in storage. He's paying storage on it. Offered him 200 grand. He said, no, 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 I can't do that. Puts it on Bringer Trailer. And all them yo-yos on Bringer Trailer talking all that ignorant ass shit. Yep. Bring $630,000. Holy fuck. Look at that. Westcraft trolley top. I'm gonna look that uh, up. Oh goddamn, it was beautiful. It was beautiful, but it didn't have any holding tanks or anything. Uh, you know, you'd have to have it parked with water and everything to get it and sewage and everything else. But boy, it was it was beautiful. Man, that thing was awesome. Well, we uh, we come to the point in the interview or conversation where we ask the standard questions that we ask every single guest. And you would be amazed, Bob, at what some of these answers to some of these questions are. <laughs> Don't surprise me anymore, buddy. <laughs> We're confident you're going to bring the A game here. What is the best car movie and why? Hmm. I don't know. I'm not a big movie guy. I guess American Graffiti, I kind of enjoyed the whole ambiance of everything and the mixture and yep. the whole plot and everything else. You might say bullet, but Hell, he'd take off in that goddamn Mustang with a one wheel hopping up and down, and goddamn, he'd be, Wah! 
If we're talking about it, wind the gear from here to here to turn it. I said, man, what's this thing got in it? Lord of mercy. I'm used to if we're talking about American graffiti, I got to bring this up because I saw this today. I'm a big American graffiti fan. It was a very inspirational movie. Somebody mm-hmm. posted something on Instagram today. Paul Lamont, you know, Milner, he's got uh, some medical issues and he is basically being evicted from his home. Really? And yeah, his celebrity has not, you know, been very good to him over the years. Yeah, Somebody the dude, we need to start a GoFundMe. Yeah, no, there is a GoFundMe. The dude is struggling. And, you know, Milner was badass. It was a very inspirational in my career. And, and I would, I, if you find it on the internet, check it out. Go look you know. out, go look for a GoFundMe yeah. for, uh, for Milner. Yeah. Paul Lamont, Paul Lamont. John Milner, check it out. Hmm. So yeah. what am I, what is he losing his cars or? I don't he know. Just, no, he's just like, you know, the guy just, obviously when you get to his age and he didn't have a lot of big, he made uh, poor made financial hits. decisions. He probably didn't make a lot of money off the movie with yeah i ain't a big go find me kind of guy you know you make stupid <laughs> moves you gotta suck it up <laughs> I, I guess you know <laughs> you know what was you the- live like a dumbass you gotta die like a dumbass <laughs> what was the first car you owned and uh a story about that car 56 club sedan i bought from my daddy straight ship 292 full barrel uh, i had it two weeks it was raining cats and dogs, and I was flying up the street and went guy ahead of me wasn't running fast enough. So I throw it in second gear and pass that son of a bitch running back slick tires. And there was one <laughs> car parked up there on the side of this big old street. Hell, I hit it right in the left back corner. <laughs> two two <laughs> weeks, huh? <laughs> my, yeah, two weeks, baby. I was a little bit out of control, but my dad is ready to kill me. I was his favorite car. And last but not least, the question we ask every single buddy it's time for a pocket dump you've got to do a pocket dump what is in your pockets right this very second you're at home so you might not have much money, in your pockets baby. you gotta money. have money <laughs> <laughs> i got a wallet here with some credit cards we just came off the richard rawlings uh podcast so that, that was pretty i got some of these you know, I gotta, gotta have me some benjamins i don't want to leave home without them i don't keep nothing i don't i probably got some eye drops in here <laughs> And a uh, little change, that's it. I don't care a knife or any of that stuff. A lot of times I'll keep a Rolex or something in my watch pocket in case I get indigestion or something. I ain't got that. <laughs> oh, I do, wait a minute. Oh, no, here's a key to... I got a key to get in the holistic over here when I go over. I got a machine called a pulse machine that shoots magnetic waves through my back and all that stuff, keep my back kind of loosened up. That's all I got. Money, money is the only thing I really keep up with. That's the most important thing. <laughs> a few, few credit cards. That's it. I never carried a knife or and a phone, but I, my wife made me drop my phone over here and cut it. Up. She said, "Don't you let that phone ring over here with them people talking to you." She's she taking care of you. <laughs> she got she? you all set up tonight. That is, yeah. That's that's a good woman. Fifty four years, man. Been married fifty four years. Got married nineteen sixty seven. Yeah, fifty four years. Same yeah. Never never even got separated. Good for you. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. I think we should probably interview her. Yeah, that's yeah, who we need to interview. <laughs> According to what mood she's in, she's really good. She's kind of like this right now. This phone got me in some trouble here, so whatever. Oh. I've got her a new uh, Range Rover uh, 
autobiography of autobiography SB ordered. Have you seen this new 2022? 20, no. It's no. in the new ones. Google, Google this thing up, dude. It's Range Rover autobiography? SV. In fact, call SV, the one we ordered her is called a Serenity. SV Serenity. And the Serenity is ice white with a bronze roof. It's got a little bronze around the grill. It's got 23-inch rims on it, a little bronze on the side of the spokes. Got a BMW. That's sharp. Turbo, turbo. Badass, dude. Doesn't everybody, I feel like everybody I talk to that's got a uh, any sort of a Range Rover, all they do is bitch about the service, how many times that thing fucks up. This is our fifth one. We really? That was the old one. So that was back before, you know, Ford spent a fortune on it. And then BMW owned it, spent a fortune. Now these Indians own it. And they ain't playing, buddy. That's the best car on the road to me. This is what? our fifth one. And, and they're, they're, they're fucking rippers, too. They put some horsepower in those things, don't they? Oh, they're well, all they supercharged. Got, well, Alan, Alan bought Angie one. And it's not the big one like what we got. It's not the sport. The next one down, it's a little sportier, littler one. This son of a bitch got 575 horsepower. Damn. And it's, it's a lot of matte kind of gray looking thing. And now, was this a special occasion purchase or just to say I love you? Well... Uh, it, it hers is a couple of years old. It's got, you know, 20,000 on it. And what I do is I give the guy that runs my business, I give his wife my old one, you know, and she's, she's stacking some miles on my wife. Don't put many miles on one. So she's ready. She's wanting my wife's real bad. So anyhow, I, I say, whatever, but this is the SB serenity. It, it's, it's, it's about over 200,000 and probably 210 or something. But it is, man, you, you, you get inside, look at the inside of that thing and all. It's, it's one awesome piece, man. I'm not Check kidding. that out. Oh, it's, it's badass. It's badass. You'll like it. But it's got BMW. First time, they've always used Jaguar. And the regular supercharger's got 510 horse. And they got a couple of more. They jack it up just a little bit, you know. But one Alice got, it's a littler car. I think it's got 570. Wow. So it's, it's, it's and it's beautiful, man. Uh, he, he was hunting all over for one. And, Finally found it. Well, Bob, it's been an absolute pleasure. When uh, when are we going to see each other? You're going to be at what's yeah, where next show? You going to? Try Columbus. Well, of Gross. course, I'll go to Shades, and uh, well, we're going down to Shades. We'll be at Shades. Yeah. Oh yeah. You, you doing Nashville? Shades, you doing going to Nashville? I might. I don't know. I just don't get too wired up over it. I'll be at Columbus for sure. I was, well, we'll I was going to go to the Nash- Nashville, yeah, but moving go. south of you know the downtown, I, I just want. I mean, I love the show. I just kind of want to go fuck around. Yeah, yeah. we're going to fuck around in Nashville. Well, maybe we'll see each other in Columbus. Rig, I got to see this new big rig you got. Oh, hell That's yeah. That's a bad son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, it is more badass than Boyd. So, you know. How long is that son of a bitch? It's uh, all of it's it. It's not exactly street legal, as they say. <laughs> but it's, it's uh, a 56 foot trailer, and then the truck has got a six foot trailer. Yeah. And the truck has got, got a, a two hundred wheelbase truck too. Yeah, yeah. it's a two ninety five inch wheelbase. Oh god! You gotta go yeah. big or go home. You gotta right? look like a badass. You gotta show up being somebody, right? <laughs> oh man! Oh y'all, that's a uh, oh, oh Alan's right. Oh Alan's rig's pretty good. Bobby had to step his up and kind of compete a little bit. But y'all blowing everybody off the map with that rig. That's unbelievable. Oh, that's just the. That's, about that. that's just the internal, you know, the, the competition that behind the competition, you know, you got the car mm-hmm. shows and you got everybody talking about everybody's rigs showing up right, at the, yeah. the show. 
Yeah, Alan showed up a few years ago with that one, and yeah, he put us to shame. He's got a hell of a rig. My old man always wanted a badass rig, and we we stuck with that beater uh, fucking toter home for too long. So this was a little tribute piece. So it's it's a mean machine. Yeah, it is. What was that a six hundred cat or something? What's in it? It's the uh, Cummins, isn't it? Coming 605 18, 18 speed, speed. Yeah. 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 Wow, how fast will that thing run? It's got a limiter on it, I think it's limited to 75 or 80. Really, yeah. We haven't screwed with any of the programming or you don't have no Don Snyder up in East Springfield, Ohio. Name sounds familiar. He owns a Snyder AT parts, so that's the son that kind of runs that, but he raises beef. For the Japanese, uh, but anyhow, he uh, he's got several trucks and won the tractor pull deal several years back. But he's got a couple of trucks that he houses beef over to Philadelphia. They got over a thousand horsepower. Good. Yeah. Said, I want to hit a hill and I have to start, you know, slowing down. I want to. <laughs> he's a good guy. If you ever be over there, it's right a little bit west of Youngstown. He's got some uh, really cool stuff. A lot of a lot of good old. Uh, all the first lightweight Fords, and uh, I had the I had the last uh, Thunderbolt, and he already had the first Thunderbolt. And he's got uh, you remember Rocky Robinson had that old Kaiser. Y'all too young probably don't even know. He had a fifty something Kaiser, had a big block Chevrolet in it with twin Paxtons on it, had a stainless steel chassis. That's back when uh-huh. Rick Rick Doberton and uh, Matt and Debbie Hayes. Remember Matt and Debbie Hayes? So that was before y'all's time. Yes, yeah, before us. But anyhow, Matt, uh, Matt and Debbie Hayes uh, built a uh, uh, Thunderbird, and it won the street machine and all that shit back in those days. It was purple and pink, but it had two blowers sitting out front facing backwards and a small block forward. I mean, this thing. I'm at Barrett Jackson, and he gets a divorce from us. Not Matt didn't, but the guy that owned a restaurant business out there had it. And his wife brings all his cars out there and sells them. I buy that damn Thunderbird. Look up Matt and Debbie Hayes T-Bird. He's got it back now. I sold it to Don and bought it back and sold it to somebody else. And then uh, Matt and Debbie found out about it and bought it and uh, they got it back now. But he restored it just back as ugly as it was, you know. (laughs) And this was was a car. I paid $15,000 for it. Wow. It would cost $350,400. Easy. But look at Matt and Debbie Hayes. And then look also, look up Rocky Robinson. Had a 52 Kaiser with a stainless steel chassis. And had a big block in it with uh, two blowers, two Paxtons on it. I was at the Street Riding Nationals in, uh, I guess, Oklahoma City, I think we were. And I took it in there and I registered it as a 48. (laughs) (laughs) They come over and uh, somebody told them that was a 50-something. And they had that modern body style in 48 on a Kaiser. Oh, my God, they come over there kicking me out, you know, and uh, raising hell. I said, God damn. So, anyhow. They were out there pouring water out there on the ground out there, you know, uh, to do burnouts. Everybody stand on the side of the street. I'll wad it up out there. I pull up in that damn thing. <laughs> I just, I don't need no damn water shit. I reached up and hit that thing. That thing took up. Man, that front end was bounced. <laughs> Goddamn people running for the woods. I, everybody was going on. I mean, they were going crazy. Some old good looking lady comes over. Can I ride in that thing? I said, hop in, baby. <laughs> 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 give you a ride. 
Oh, Bob, it's been an absolute pleasure as we knew it would be. Uh, Always blessed. Yeah, we're going to have to hook up soon. We'll have to go. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll do dinner at Columbus or something. Yeah, I look forward to seeing y'all up there. That's been too long. Yeah, I'll definitely be at Columbus while I say I will. Uh, Creek don't rise. I'll I'll be there. And uh, I might try to make uh, Nashville or something, you know. Sounds good. Yeah. We appreciate it. Y'all bringing down there. Just probably chassis, Just chassis to down in Nashville. Columbus will probably have a, have a few know, cool cars today. That 66 Chevelle, the kind of bronze one, you know, that the one Aztec that's bronze. Yeah. 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 How about that car? Yeah, car. Pretty good. I wish you'd put a little few more ponies in it, but yeah, it's, it's a good it's, car. It's a cruiser. It's like a sailboat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't realize, you know, it really needs a paint job on it, you know. Um, y'all just do a chassis under it and did all that stuff like he wanted. What I'm trying to find though is something, you know, he didn't, I want some shape on that firewall. I bought a heater, the lead piece to put on it, but the way the motor's sitting back there, you know, with the wires running back, you can't, it's too long. I want to put something on there to break that flat firewall up. You know, it's just, just put the heater, hit, put the heater box, mess with the factory heater box and put it back on. We've done that on a few and it fills all that void. Hmm. Yeah, uh, that factory send heater box cover. Yeah, yeah, we did it on that Camaro. Yeah, yeah, um, it looks. I think it looks pretty cool. We did it in the Catalina. Well, this, I think it's a fact, but it's about this long. We we bought, you know, a deal like goes on there. Yeah, chop, you you notch you it chop around the head. Fucker up. You're not huh? afraid to cut some shit up. Yeah, just, well, just section yeah, it. I was just trying to find something already made where I need to go through all that nonsense. <laughs> but I was want to break it up. It's just I can't yeah, stand it. It's a big old flat. Firewall. Yeah. You know, that's, it was kind of a quickie survival. Well, I, know, I, know, I know George was just looking, you know, something quick and easy. You know? I know you guys know what to do if somebody, but when somebody tells you they want to do it, you got to do what they want, you know. <laughs> that's but right. I, I stand to see a flat firewall, man. I, <laughs> I can't stand that. I got to have me some little shape going on there, you know. Well, I appreciate it, Bob. We'll see you soon. Right. Thanks again for coming on. Yeah, man. It's yeah. been awesome. awesome Bob, great you, catching up, My buddy. Pleasure. My pleasure. You guys are. Setting the bar. That's all I can tell you. Well, I'm sure come appreciate a long it, damn man. way. Yeah, that stupid ass Ocean A's in there talking about us. Dude, you don't even know. You don't know what you're talking about, man. <laughs> I said, these guys are blowing and going. They, well, just like Craig, you know, we said I talked to Craig and he's talking to you guys about doing that uh, Le Mans of his, that 66 Le Mans. And uh, I had Barry up there, you know, and I told Craig, I said, well, come over here and look at this interior and this damn Pontiac that that, that old. Avant-garde. Oh yeah, yeah. That's my that's my boy Ooh. Jeremy Carlson. That's Ooh. as good as it gets. Yeah, Craig's going to be out here in about three weeks. He's coming in oh, I, in studio to do the podcast. I know. He told me that. He's. But you know, I told Craig a long time ago. I said, you know, you need to you need to get into this stuff, man. I said, restoring a stock car doesn't show any creativity at all. You're just mimicking what somebody else has done. Uh, and it, and Steve is the one that got him into all this rest of my shit. Steve's, you know, ahead of the curve. I mean, Craig's just been stuck in that rut. I said, dude, I mean, he's getting excited about it. He's excited about yeah. this deal, y'all. I said, you're going to get excited about this. This ain't like just restoring a Shelby or something, man. This is something you put your creative juices in and, and you build something that, that's you. It ain't something somebody else. Right. He's uh, he's tickled death with dealing with you guys. I said, well, you went to the right place. He's wanting that screen that y'all doing that, whatever that dash deal is and all that other kind of stuff. And I said, well, 
Yeah. And I think he's going to get y'all to do about 90% of the work and come back and do a little paint and body on his own, but he'll probably, I don't even know. He, he, he got rid of that one old boy over there. He, he quit. Uh, that was a good guy too. I don't know what happened there. That guy he, wore he's just let us finish it up. So it's dialed in, you know, ride qualities there, ready to go. That's, Drive a, it home. that's a conversation we're going to, we're going to have. Yeah. We'll talk Absolutely. to him. Bob, you, you got to work that behind the scenes. We'll send the commission check your way. <laughs> yeah. Just tell him to let us finish it. <laughs> He'll uh, he'll be back for more. I mean, once he gets this and gets that taste, and he is making some bucks. You know, everybody talks about this, that, and the other. You know, Meekum Meekum's the only guy that's even approximating doing what uh, Craig does. But Meekum is doing more. But Meekum gives some stuff. Meekum would run the business the way I would. Craig ain't giving nobody anything. <laughs> making any money? I think, I think Craig dude. runs a pretty decent business. Y'all on a level playing field. I don't care who you are. It's a level playing field. And uh, he'll make more money by far than Mickham will. And Mickham, though, you know, he'll go out and he's got bird dogs hunting up cars right and left. I mean, he's bringing some fantastic cars in. It is unbelievable where that guy's come in the last 15, 20 years. Uh, man, Dana's just gone. I mean, I don't hey, we build, we're building a chassis for Dana right now. Yeah. Are you really? Yeah, yeah he, he's from our hood, too. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. see he's yeah. got a place right up here at Lake Geneva, not far from us. 30 minutes he's, from us. He's a, cool, he's a cool dude. He's a good guy. But Craig's business, you know, all these people turn around and want to challenge Craig, and they're going to put him out of business. They're going to do this, do that. I said, are you That's, freaking stupid? This guy is bulletproof, man. It's the GOAT. Yeah. The GOAT, you know? Everybody wants Bigger, to take better every year. I mean, it's... And he puts on the <laughs> damnedest show you've ever seen, you know. They all want to take down the guy that's at the top. Well, you know, when he started the Barrett Jackson Cup um, back uh, when it was at Hoggos Nice, Craig and Steve came to me and said, Bob, we're going to do this car show out there. Would you mind kind of organizing it, make get the right people in there, make sure we don't get egg on our face? I said, no problem, bro. So I, I uh, hired Bobby Alloway and uh, Pete Chapuras. And I hired Bob Millard to kind of run the deal. But when we get sure. out to Hollywood Heights, they wouldn't let us really run it. You know, they would still want to kind of regain control. So Pete, I mean, Pete and Bobby did the judge and uh, Bob Millard just kind of trailed along with them. But, uh, and that's why that was when they started the cup back and they went and did this people's choice crap and all that. I said, God damn, man, why did y'all do that? And he said, well, what would you do? I said, I, Pete's dead now, but I bring Bobby out and I, I'd bring Torture Painter with him. I said, these are two guys. And Bobby, you, you're not going to get favoritism from Bobby. He's kicked me in the nuts several times. <laughs> <laughs> you're right about that. Really Bobby, seems, Bobby seems like a straight shooter, man. Yeah. I, I well, admire you know, that. He, you know, he said, well, I, was, I had that 34-4 to mind up there. <laughs> And he said, Bob, you were number six. I said, I might as well have been number 26, but whatever. <laughs> I've got a great relationship with Bobby. And I, I I'll anybody that says anything bad about Bobby that's wrong because you don't you just don't know him. You know. We were we were out there and uh, they unloaded Bigfoot out there, you know, and they they'd already put the big tires on the back of Bigfoot, you know, they put them little ones when they transport us, you know, where they get it in their trailer. Well, that thing sitting over that stink looking all jacked up in the ass and all, and me and him Millard and and Chipotle and Bobby stand there. God damn, Bob! I didn't know you built them monster trucks too. <laughs> and I said, you know, he said, you know, he said, worked pretty good for me though, hadn't it? And I said, yes, it's yes, worked pretty good. <laughs> One for of these me. days, we got to show Bobby our uh, the shop cart. Yeah, the shop cart. Yeah, we got we got a uh, shop like parts cart uh, 
for like moving parts and stuff around. They built a special <laughs> one that's a Bobby Alloway special that's it's got that Bobby, it's got that Bobby it's got lean. Got a giant rake in it. Yeah, it's it put some same tires and wheels on everything just about. I said, ah, it damn, works. Fucking works. It got to be black. Yeah. Our car's built, black with red interior. He's built a couple of cars for Lange that, uh, that Edsel and a couple of other Mustang and a few things that he's painted a different color, but he's made it work. That's all I can say. Yeah. Hello, yeah. boys. But if you want a guy that can pick a car apart in a minute, He's got an oh. eagle eye on his ass. He knows where the weak spots are on everything. He, he, he knows what up. he's looking at. Yeah, he does. Well, I, when I hired just two of my, I'm, you know, Craig and him said, don't you need more people? I said, no. I just said, man, I mean, two guys can walk through this place <laughs> and eat it alive. You, too many people, you get too many opinions going to start an argument. Yeah, well, between Bobby's Bobby and Troy, they're going to pick the best car. That's for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah Absolutely. And they, they go about it in a different way, you know. Troy's, I still say, though, Alan, to me, and when you take everything in consideration, I'm talking about the stance, the ride, the look, the interior, the paint, everything thrown together in one big old piece. I still like his stuff better than anybody's. I mean. Alan's got a look. Goddamn, well, he, he, he just, that subtle, understated, elegant look is, that 53 Studebaker he built, have you looked at that car close? Yep. And knock you out. I mean, that, that's, I've been trying to buy the damn thing, but I don't know. I just, I, you know, I'm getting tired of that, you know, super high dollar shit that you can't just get out and drive and enjoy. Just like that little comment I had on the tour down there. I mean, it's just a cool little old car. I mean, I can just get out and drive it. And uh, I just enjoy something I can get out there and have a good time instead of something like that 36 Roadster. You're afraid to get out and something happened to it or. You know, I just uh, I enjoy just getting out and enjoying the damn thing, you know. You doing the road tour this year? Which one? The good guys or uh, Barry Jackson? I don't. Where, they're going way out somewhere, aren't they? Yeah, it's out know. west. I think it's Salt Lake through uh, Wyoming and Badlands and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, goddamn! By the time you get a car out there and get it, go through that deal and get it back home, I might. If they calm me and whine a little bit, it's like I wasn't gonna carry that thirty-six Roadster out there, and Ed calls me up. I need some cars, Bob. I said, dude, you have not advertised this thing. I mean, nobody knows what you're doing there. I mean, I mean, good guys can somehow attract all these cars and not give you a freaking dime. <laughs> used to be a thousand one dollar bills. Then they turn and write you a check for a thousand and send you a ten ninety nine. Then they quit giving you anything. I, I don't get that part. When I started that deal for Barrett the Cup, I said, here's here's my take on car shows. It's got to be good looking. That's 75% of the equation. It ain't like that Riddler shit. If it's ugly, I don't give a damn if it's spent $80 million. If it's ugly, it's ugly, and it ain't going to win. This is a beauty contest. <laughs> we get everything equaled out after that. I'll, I'll, and, I'll echo that. Bobby and Pete, both of them, we agree. I said, well, cool. That's, that's the way it ought to be. And I, won't, I was heading to have that thing. We had a $100,000 prize for the, for the winner. I wanted to see $100,000 go to the winner. And I tell you, we were working in that direction, but yeah. now they've kind of started back over. But they, they screwed it up with that first year, and then well, we just got to get it back on its right feet. But y'all need to throw something. I mean, that that car that Barry had there's only thing Bobby didn't like about that car was the color on that motor, which was the right color. Yeah, but it had so much of it. That motor showed so much of it that 
it just and when he opened that hood, he, uh, he didn't like that. That's the only thing. <laughs> when it when it came down, I said, Bobby, this Pontiac got to win something. You got to have a wild card award here. You know, you got your final group, but you got to have a wild card, dude. Something like that Pontiac and all shows up. It's got to win, man. You got to have a slot that that thing will fall in. And really, it was the best street cruiser out there. But that Cadillac Troy build is just. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Under the hood. His, his under the hood treatments are. Everybody's getting better and better at it. But he still, he just wrote the book on that. Being an old chicane and all that. Man, you up up that hood and look at those things. It's, oh, my God, man. Oh, he's on another beautiful. level on those little finite details. That's thing sure. on that Cadillac, I told him uh, he should have done it. She put an Eldorado trim on the side of that thing. It had that big old stainless down the side of that thing on that Eldorado. But that is one beautiful car, man. That thing is awesome. God almighty. Well, Bob, I appreciate it. It's been right, awesome. Man. Well, we'll yeah. see you around, guys. Absolutely. We'll uh, see you soon. Good work. Y'all are y'all are knocking it out of the park. It's freaking awesome. We appreciate it. Thank you, man. Unbelievable. You know, a lot of them guys was asking me about it. I said, Well, you see these Gerber body shops all over the place? I said, That started off right here with these guys. Those were the Gerbers. I said that investment banking group come and buys them out and then does this Abra bullshit all over the country and then these guys buy some mickey mouse little hot rod shop up there and then grow it into the biggest hot rod shop in the country yeah you guys are rocking it ain't no question craig's uh appreciate it all right guys all right, appreciate, man. All right. appreciate it up. it's time for the glove box this is everybody's it. favorite we almost didn't do it this episode but he we're gonna have, fucking bring it Phil's That's better fine. have fucking rambo we're almost three hours in but we're gonna Bowie do knife, we're gonna do the segment of the glove box all right, all right? What we got everybody knows we power. talk about our edc shit whiskey and other stuff we're into first off though is what is in our pockets right now obviously phil why don't you go first <laughs> i think he's got something i do Almost upset that this isn't uh, in the studio and on YouTube yet to see that bad son of a bitch right there. Is this another? Good grief. First of all, he set us up thinking he was going to bring out what we thought he was going to bring out, and he fucked us again. When did you get that? This is actually the bailout knife that I carry every day. And about two weeks ago, I ordered a set of scales for it titanium oh, you modded it out yeah titanium let me see blue that. tungsten cerakote that is the oh. best looking knife you will ever see right there he is holding I you like, down and punching you in the back of the head in the pool right is, now i almost feel bad because i bought that or i ordered the scales before i got the bench made shootout otf knife which is the second best looking knife in existence this thing kind of rocks so i'm just shitting all over it's both got, of you guys that's got the tonto blade serrated which i fucking love and now i'll that. i like the additional weight of yeah. adding the little what do you call the fucking things scales the scales titanium scales yeah. applied weapons technologies they do a bunch of uh scales for different bench made uh spider co and one or two other ones it's way better looking than your knife don't even try to compare them i like that a lot it's sharp looking it's fucking good looking only problem is disassembling and putting that back together. Those tiny little like T5 torques. That was not that much fun. Need a little. Uh, I like a little resistance on it. Oh, well, you're wrong. You need a little more rim oil. You need a better color combo in yours. 
That is, so what do you say, American defense? Something like that. Uh, applied weapons technologies. Applied weapons technologies. Yep. That's a good looking blue. That's a P, that's a Phil Gerber blue. It's a, it is. That's, that's I saw be- that. I was like, how old that? That's a beautiful knife. Yep. Good it really looking is. Knife. Oh, yeah. That's, that's all I got. I'm pretty sweet. What do you got? Nothing as cool as that. I've got the, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say, out of all the knives, I've carried a lot of knives in the past few months. This Microtech Exoset, that's the number one knife for me. You've been rocking that I fucking love this knife. I love this knife. I love the action on that. It is the best daily driver. That's a fact. You can like wrap your is knife. Is it supposed to be a money clip or is that just a really It's supposed wide to be a money clip, but I just, you know, I think I just hook it. But the action out of any of the Microtechs is the best. I just feel like that is the most solid. Like opening boxes, doing day to day shit. Like this thing rocks. Oh, it's a good looking. It's knife. my go to. Yeah, if you have delicate thing. delicate hands out there too, I would look into that knife because it's fuck yourself. It fits, it fits really well. You know what's cool about delicate hands is that you can use them for whooping Josh's ass. There's they they just seem to take well to that. <laughs> Delicate hands in your face. Yeah. There's something <laughs> about that, isn't it? Phil knows. <laughs> Those delicate hands don't hurt my hard face. <laughs> yeah, it's a shitty looking face. <laughs> Pretty uh, much the worst looking face I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, mine is uh, old school. So I'm uh, Benchmade bailout. This oh. is the... Uh, I thought that was a buck old trapper nope. from where I'm sitting. No, this is bench made bailout. This is, I love the ODG. This is their uh, OD green uh, factory scales with the uh, gray Tonto blade, non serrated. It's one of my go tos. Uh, Phil has shown me up with his new scales. I really like that one. I like the scales on it, but I hate green, like, so I couldn't buy it. They got an awesome pattern, awesome texture to oh, it. This one will I go. I would have bought it. This one go into the uh, knife drawer. And I will buy another one to try and one up Phil. But AWT next, makes the scales in green. You can I'm, check that out. I'm bringing something that you don't even know about. That's fine. I'll, I'm going to surprise. If that's the way we're playing this game now. Yeah, I didn't know it was like a secret. Phil, yeah. is, oh, that's fine. That's like you and me, we go and get knives together. We go shopping together. I Phil, talked about this two or three times. There's a bunch of companies that make scales. Oh, I got to find you something. didn't tell us that you had gotten scales and that you put them on your knife. They showed and you up were last bring, night at eight o'clock. You were going to bring them out this episode. Bill just comes out of left field with the, oh, hey, by the way, oh, he, look what I got. Yeah. Phil's, Phil's more of a loner. Hey, look at me. Look how cool my shit is. Right. Your shit sucks. This isn't a, a team thing. It's, it's not. to Phil. It's not. Every man it's fine. The, do I want to? If I'm going to come in here and just whoop your ass, do I want to let you know about it beforehand? Or you just? I just. I didn't know that that was that was the way we were looking. No, at I thought this. we were doing this together. I thought like, we were to like build friends. each other up. Yeah, yeah. That that's weird. fine. Not a big deal. It's it's on. Honestly, after healing, hearing both of you and your feelings on this, I just didn't know you were both little bitches beforehand. That's, Otherwise, I would have. That's, that's hurtful. It was intended to be. Yeah. Well, what yeah, are we it drinking is. tonight? I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I just, <laughs> I just want, I is just that want a to go tear? home. Is that a tear? My feelings are hurt. <laughs> what are we drinking? All right, this was Phil's poll. This is my poll. I was at uh, Garfield's and looking for something different. Uh, their Barrington location. And there was a 
Garfield's uh, barrel pick on a Chicago whiskey. Didn't have high hopes for it, but yes, it was a weeded uh, called buckwheat. Uh, Koval, 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 I think. single barrel whiskey, buckwheat distilled in Chicago, limited edition Garfield's beverage warehouse, hand selected barrel number 340. Didn't have high hopes for it because it's a Chicago bourbon. Yeah. Um, I gotta say, I really like it. Needs a little bit of water, dilute it, but it's very flavorful, very cinnamon flavored. That's that hits you um, immediately. Right. You can stop now with the cinnamon and all the other stuff. Did I'm you not tr- like it? I'm hey, dude, I'm just trying to be nice to him and agree so that he includes us in his next like knife shopping spree. Oh, yeah, you're right. The f- floral dances around on the yeah, palate. It feels great in my mouth. <laughs> it, it tickles my palate. That's exactly why I don't invite you to fuckers <laughs> when I go knife shopping. I don't want to hear about how the knife dances around in my hand and plays. Mm. It's very fruit forward, really. This one was a good enough taste. My personal opinion, if you see it on the shelf, give it a shot. Single barrel whiskey buckwheat. I don't know what that, what's a $70 bottle, $60 bottle? No, I think it was like 40. It wasn't bad. If if you come across it, I would absolutely grab it. Doesn't fall into the regular bourbon palette for me. No, it's much like the... Smooth Ambler, big level. That's more on the. I always refer to Noah's Mill because that's my standard on the non bourbon yeah. flavor uh, palette wise. Um, it's more closer to that. Not that it's bad. Um, if you if you come across it, purchase it for this price point. I wouldn't search it out. I wouldn't search I it agree. out. We've been drinking all this. So just so all the listeners know, we we've been drinking all these neat. And we put a little splash of water in this one. I did not. I did. No I water. Did. It's hot, very hot. On you know your initial taste, I would say this is something if you you got to put it on the rocks. In my professional opinion, and I think it would probably be pretty damn good if you did that. I, you know, I'd say if you're like a Chicagoan, I'd buy it for the novelty of it. If I'm you know, just at Garfield's, if I'm at the liquor store and I'm looking at stuff, you know, it might not be my go-to, but uh, it's worth Something snagging. different. Yeah, it's yeah. worth snagging. It's, it's definitely different. It's definitely very flavorful. Throw it on the rocks. Drink it. You'll enjoy it. it, it I think at that point, it's a very easy drinker. One to ten, give us a number. Oh, six and a half. Whoa. Whoa, Phil. Mm. Good, bad? Um, I'm coming coming out hot. I'm kicking this old school like back to 2001 with my homeboy Chase Kaplan and Noah Pettit in the Jeep with a 5.9. You remember the (laughs) 5.9 Jeep? You remember that? That was before the machine? That was before the SRT. 5.9? Yeah, the Grand Cherokee 5.9. Oh, yeah. It, it yeah. had the uh, super bird style. It was, style, na- it was, uh, nasty. Scoops it was on nasty back then. I'm hitting this with a five nine, which is good. You know, I'll give it a six just to be different. But I'm I'm right there in between the two. I mean, I'm, yeah, six zero. I'm telling you what though, studio is is getting real close to being wrapped up. We're gonna have, I don't know what the first episode is gonna be, gonna be, gonna be a game changer. But we're gonna bring. I want to. I want to drink some fucking shit. 
We're going to bring the heat. Fireball? Well, I think just so everybody knows, like we we haven't even scratched the surface of the bourbon collection. No. And we're we're dabbling into the bourbons we have. I think inaugural episode in the studio Lots. is a dusty. You think so? I, I, I do. I think there's other like Chris in it. Yeah, you regardless of who the guest is, okay. If we're in the in the studio, it's a dusty. I know you've got one back at home. I sure do. We should pop the top on that. I think we should. <laughs> so well, you yeah, both actually you yeah, should. That's like because a you 60, both gave it to me. What is that? Late sixties, <laughs> late sixties, old Forester. <laughs> that yeah. one. They're talking about the other. Yeah, one. That, that one. That one. That's like like the most mint bottle. Yeah, it's a great bottle. I think we should. I think we should try that. It's difficult now. What do we do when we come to the Dusties for an episode? Because we kill at least three quarters, if not I mean, a full that's bottle. Be one drink and then jump onto. We jump into what's else. our like? We go to our go to and then I think so. Take a sip of the Dusty. I think so. Chase well, it with some special reserve. The Koval single barrel buckwheat. We got a 6.5 from Phil, a 5.9 from Jeremy, and a 6.0 from me. But we got everybody, your, it falls into the. If you come across it, buy it. Yep. Nothing that you should search out. I think that's a good description. Not that we know anything about what we're talking about. We don't. But that's our opinion. If you're still listening it, I don't know, two and a half hours into this, then you probably listen to what we have to say right now. But if anybody else, like, they don't give a shit, they have already stopped listening earlier than this. And Scotty Powers, it's time to go to sleep, buddy. (laughs) Hey, Scott. It's time to go to sleep. Hey, Scott. Thanks again for listening to Oil & Whiskey with the Roadshow Shop and Ironclad Original. If you like the show, hop down to the bottom and leave us a rating or a review. Thanks again to our guest, Bob Johnson. He seriously was great. And remember, you can check out more of his collection at bobjohnsonshotrods.com. We'll see you again next week. Appreciate it. How you doing? Brian Kane, host of the Mental Performance Daily Podcast here with you. And someone asked me recently, Kaner, how'd you go from 240 pounds to 180? Was it diet? Was it sleep? Did you change your workout routine? It was a little bit of all of that and mostly habits and consistency. That's why I love FitBod. FitBod's smart workout app creates a custom dynamic exercise program based on your goals, experience, and equipment. It varies your routines to avoid overtraining and keeps you on schedule so you can keep that calendar full and maintain those summer gains. Their elite algorithm uses custom data and analytics to scientifically build your best next workout and maximize your results in the least amount of time. FitBod workouts fit easily into your schedule, making your time the best time to work out. 
FitBod works equally as awesome. On your iOS or Android device, the app is super easy to use with video tutorials to make learning new exercises a breeze. Let's keep that workout momentum going through getting personalized workouts from FitBod that get tougher as you do. Get 25% off your subscription or try out the app for free when you sign up now at fitbod.me slash mpd25. That's 25% off your subscription or try it free at fitbod.me slash mpd25.